Blog Talk Radio. Kind of a t- 
take on King Arthur, King Arthur's tales, you know, and Lancelot and all that. It's kind of a little bit take on that, but it's in the 1920s, and it is about a married two married people who who find themselves attracted to each other, right? Oh my God, it is so good in all the drama that ensues in this little. Um, in this in this play, so I'm so excited. I'm hyped to do something because I love stuff like that. To do that in the 1920s, explore infidelity, morality, uh, women uh, at at a time when it's taboo and unheard of. Women who you know who are seeing things, even though it's crazy. It's you know it's married people, but it is a very Today that stuff kind of thing is no longer taboo. I mean, it's still taboo, you know, nobody, you know, but it's no longer surprising. But back in the 20s, you know, it could have got you in all kinds of trouble. So it's a very interesting play. I'm excited. Uh, it go, I go into production in a couple of weeks. Right now I'm just kind of uh, talking with the people about my set design and stuff like that. And these are plays that are put on at my uh, college. Just you know, they charge for them. Everything. I'm excited. It's a smaller play. It's in the Black Box Theater, so I am so excited about this. And it is like, I think it's the uh, some week in November. So I I will let you guys know when it is. And hopefully, you guys meet me if you know you want to come out and see it. It will be great. Okay, ciao. Listen, a sister, I mean, I'm telling you, man, these tuition fees, I almost told y'all to cash at me. <laughs> these tuition ain't no joke out in these streets. Somebody will uh, roll up the UTA and pay my tuition. Be glad, be, I'll be happy for be happy to take the check. Oh, my God, it seems like everything is going up. I'm telling you, even this semester with school, my last semester, I was like, what the hell? I mean, oh, my God, crazy, okay? So I got that going on. I got the directing going on. And I'm in I'm in, a, I'm in three, you know, very, this this year in acting, I'm going back into kind of my acting phase. And so I'm doing scene study, okay, advanced scene study. I'm taking a movement class. It's about, you know, clown, it's called a clown class, and it's about movement for the actor and stuff like that. And I have this very intense uh, audition showcase class. And, oh, my God, I mean, it's so interesting. So, you know, moving back into the acting phase and preparing, I'm like, oh, my God, do I really want to do this? <laughs> But it's been fun. I have I've been enjoying it. Uh, of course, I have like a like a history and the, a theater, modern history, a little classical theater history class. So, yeah, and so I'm just rounding out my year. So, but it's keeping me so busy. I'm telling you, I am moving. These classes are intense. I had two monologues I need to uh, learn this week. I'm I'm telling y'all, y'all y'all pray for me. <laughs> It's fun, but it is crazy, all right? Okay. Now, since I told y'all about my week, let's get on to talk about the shows that are on TV. I haven't got to talk to y'all about the great shows that are on right now. Okay, shows I've discovered. I started watching, what is the Dragon People? The, like, Game of Thrones, the the Dragon House or whatever? Oh. 
oh, it's so good. I like it. You know, I like those kind of crazy crazy movies. I love, I mean, I love it. I haven't got to see the one tonight, but yeah, dope. Watch it. Okay, I've enjoyed the second one. I really love, man. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like it. Uh, Thumbs up for that, okay, because I haven't talked to y'all, I don't think, since the, the, uh, since this has came out, but yo, it is great. So if you haven't seen, I forget the House of Dragons. Hey, Dra- I forget shit. I don't know, but it is good on HBO Max, and it's coming. I think it's streaming somewhat. I mean, it's showing on HBO. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Next. Discovered it accidentally. While on my app, trying to find something to watch on my HBO uh, thing, I was looking, looking. You know how when you're up late looking for movies to watch. Rap shit. Issa Rae's story, rap shit, is kind of about, uh, what's those girls? It, it's kind of a take on city girls, but it's not really city girls. But the shit is dope. Oh, I love rap shit. I don't know if it's the young girl in me or what, but I love rap shit. It is a dope story. I find myself intrigued with it. So, yeah, I don't know if anybody else, I mean, you know, would like it, but I love the story. It's about two girls who are trying to have a rap career, and these and the adventures that ensue as they try to come up in life and have these have this career. And I am fascinated by rap shit. I am on, I think, the last episode of the season, I think. And, oh, I'm halfway through it, but I love it. I really do. I... I like it, so I'll just say that. Also, Hunk for Jesus. I went to see that yesterday. You know, there was $3 movies. I can't go to movies anyway when they ain't $3. But it was $3 movies the other day. Went to go see Hunk for Jesus with, what's the girl's name, Regina? Oh, I forget her last name. But let me look. Hold on. Let me look inside because I'm going to tell you the people's name because they deserve, they deserve me to say their name because they were, they were fire. Um... Hold on here. Uh, let's see. Hunt for Jesus. I gotta look it up, y'all. But you know, this is obviously a take. Uh, who's in this? Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown. Okay, excellent job. They deserve Oscar nods. Listen. They did that thing, okay? They did that. It was really, really good. I enjoyed it. I really loved it. Uh, you know, obviously it seems like a take. You know, well, it seems like they take the architect of a pastor from somebody like a, a Creflo Dollar. But the storyline itself seems Bishop Eddie Longish. I know. But it's a great story. You know, the thing is, you know, I'm I'm a champion for the church. You know, even though I know that nothing, listen, I know that people are not perfect. And sometimes I get in my moods, like I'm in it right now, where I don't want to be bothered. Sometimes I do not want to go to church. But I am a champion for church. I am a champion for the people 
not all, like, you know, church is like every other institution. You know, there are good people and they are ugly people. And sometimes places of service and places where, uh, where you have to trust people, where people are well trusted, sometimes they can draw people that are not so great or people who are not so perfect. So I always kind of hate when, it, you know, while I understand people love to judge the church, I also and that the church does have a standard that it has to live up to. I also understand that people in the church are not perfect, okay? And that can't turn you off from church. You'll be mad. You'll be mad. You'll be mad at everybody. My granny taught me when I was little. She used to say, I mean, uh huh. Ain't nobody in the church perfect. You, the only person you be you uh, worship is Jesus. Because <laughs> uh, uh, that's it. My favorite line is when I heard Bishop Jake said, you know, somebody was telling him about all these preachers, this preacher coming out hotel room windows and all that. He said, well, till you see Jesus climbing out a hotel room window, you ain't got nothing to say to me. Listen, there is not going to be perfect, perfection among the human experience. Church is about people, you know, a place. It's, it's, church is like a hospital. It's where people go to get healed from all of their uh, things. And it, it's not, there. It, church, there are all kinds of things happening. So, you know, the one thing I do like about Hunt for Jesus, even though it goes to extremes at times, it also shows the humanity of church folk. <laughs> and so I, 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 I have to say, I, I thought it was pretty good, and I love the way Sterling K. Brown, he did that. I mean, Regina was great, too, don't get me wrong, but Sterling K. had some very, like, both of them had great moments, but he had really great moments, and so I would not be surprised if they're nominated for Oscars for this. You know, anything that sometimes this is church or something like that, you know, it gets ostracized, but they deserved it. Their acting was superb. So I'll just say this. Hunt for Jesus is an interesting show. It reminds you, I'm not saying that's where they got it from, but it's very much like the scandal that happened with Bishop Eddie Long. And, and you know, I talked about that on this thing years ago, uh, my thoughts about Bishop Eddie Long, you know, and, and everything, um, and that whole scandal. And, uh, yeah, this is a great, a good film. And it's worth seeing. It's worth your time, you know. So I would just say that, Hunt for Jesus, okay, yes. And, and, and if you go to see it for anything, it's the acting, because the acting is superb, okay, really, really good. Right, child? All right, so what else is going on? What else I need to talk to you about? What else uh, the high school? Okay, so I've been watching Love After Lockup. <laughs> it's crazy. Love After Lockup is so crazy. So I'm not re- – I, I, I always do this to y'all. I'm not really ready to talk about Love After Lockup right yet. Here's what I will say. Dante is a simp, simp, simp. I'm like, there is God – there is no great – you know what I almost want? A meeting with Dante and Michael, like because <laughs> Michael is like the complete extreme of of what Dante, you know, Dante is it. And Michael, you know, not that I like Michael either, but I'd love to see a matchup, a meeting of Dante and Michael. But Dante falling for 
and I forget the girl's name on Love at the Like the white girl he's liking, who was with the other guy and treated him so bad, the the man who brought her a house and all that. <laughs> well, Dante is now taken up with her, and she gave Dante a little kitty cat, and Dante was calling a hundred times. Dante, as soon as he dropped, she was like, what, Dante? I was like, that's the worst thing to give somebody some kitty cat or some penis that go call you a 50,000 times. Dante is that man. Dante is that dude. That girl's hardcore. So to me, Brittany, is that name? No, not Brittany. What is the girl who's with Dante? I got to look up this up because it's crazy on Love After Lockup. Let me look here. Uh, let's see. Who is it? Trying to think. Okay, Cass. That girl he's with, and she she seems like she's still doing something illegal. So I was like, she gonna play Dante. <laughs> but uh, okay, it is. Let's see, Gloria and Alex, Lizzie and Daniel, Lacey and John. Uh, see if we can find it. Do they have it on here? Um, is this so old? But anyway, it's you guys know who Dante is if you've been watching Love After Lockup, and <laughs> it is so like completely uh, crazy. Um, I just think you know this is the second time that he has. Uh, I don't know. You know, this guy is like he he's gotten a, a <laughs> he's come he's gone after a girl. I mean, a girl in jail, and he's Lacey. Lacey is is I think who he. And here's the thing, Lacey is too worldly for Dante. So to me, it is going to be interesting to see uh, them together. And then there's also, um, oh my goodness, it is. Uh, the long-time couple on there, uh, Marcella, Marcellus, and I forget his wife's name. But, you know, of course we've been knowing for Marcellano, Marcellano. So we've been knowing for a minute that uh, Marcellano, um, his – let me see if I can find this on here. I need everybody's name. Hold on. Let me see you guys. Okay, so we've been knowing that with Marcel, uh, Brittany and Marcelano. Uh, Brittany and Marcelano has been probably the longest couple on this season's version of Love After Lockup. When Brittany and Marcelano got married, I have to say, I could see the red flags right away. Marcelano seems like that dude that, you know, right away wants to be the man. And Brittany had some issues from the beginning. Brittany was it when she was in jail. She had sexual relationships with women. When she came out of jail, she had a relationship with a woman and all that stuff, back and forth. So you know, I late we see at the end of last season, she brings her best friend, female friend, who's also her ex girlfriend from jail. And has a threesome with Marcelano, right? And she's thinking that's what he wants. 
but you have to watch dudes like Marcelino, okay? Because he's the he's the type of dude who will who will do that fucking threesome, but be judging you at the same time. He reading the fuck out. I wonder if Marcelino's a Scorpio. That shit we would do as a Scorpio. Not that we would have a threesome, but we would judge you if we decided, if you came to us with a threesome and we decided to participate in it, you probably have to look for the under, we be watching if we if we not secretly judging. That's some Scorpio shit. It's Marcelino, what is he? Oh, let me see if they got his birthday up here. But that seems like some, but I just thought about it. That kind of seems like some Scorpio shit because we will be I, Scorpios will do that. We will be secretly judging you, even though we're participating in it. It's sort of like what happened. I believe I've always talked about this on this show about Chris Jenner, and I'll get to that in the in in a moment. But the rumors were back in the day. Not saying it was this is true or not, but people were always saying that. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Marcia, uh they were say uh, uh, they were saying that that Chris Jenner was um, what were they saying about her? Uh, they were they were always saying that uh, she, her and and when she was married to Robert Shapiro, I mean, what's not the quite a Robert Kardashian that they they had like allegedly. Rumors were always, this is not new rumors, that they were swinging with O.J. and all them. People were saying that, okay? Now, that's an alleged rumor. But I said if it was true, if it was ever true, okay? Now, here's the strange thing about Chris, because remember Chris was deeply religious, okay, at one point. So Chris is a Scorpio. Now, one of the things you have to watch with our sign. <laughs> I know this for my own, and uh, is that we may secretly judge you even participating in the mess, okay? So if Chris was participating uh, allegedly in something like that, and she start, and the rumors was that she started kind of being wild after that with other men and everything, because she, this is my personal opinion that if something like that happened, if that was a true rumor, that what she probably perceived was that he did not care about her enough. And that freed her from that relationship. She was done at that point. So she didn't probably just cheat because she wanted to cheat. She cheated because she she judged him if he did that or if he allowed that to happen. And while she may have participated, she was thinking to herself, so you really don't care about me that much if you let me do something like that. And so at that point, she's gone. So... When I talk about somebody like Marcelino, which he's reminding me very much of, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's his Marcelino Santiago? Let me see if we can see his, if he has any, if his uh, birthright is up here. Uh, but he reminds me, this seems very uh, Scorpio to me. Uh, he participated in um, the re- that threesome. But afterwards, he lost all kind of respect. Okay, Marcelino was born in uh, late June, which makes him a cancer. Now, what else is in his chart, I wonder? June 24th, which it can be cancers can do that too. It's a water sign. Uh, I bet, I 
I wouldn't be surprised because that seems like a Scorpio operation. After he had the threesome with her, what she didn't realize is, so what he does is he he was kind of flirting with the best friend in Love After Lockup. The best friend kind of didn't say anything because she was embarrassed. She's like, oh, my God, I don't want Brittany to know or whatever. But when it, but he completely checked out the marriage after this threesome. And one of the things he said in the confessionals, okay, if you've been watching Love After Lockup, he goes, I never thought she was that into me. He said, and when we had that threesome, she just didn't seem into me. He was judging her. He didn't He didn't just let you have that threesome. And she should have known better because Marcelino was always very strict and kind of a, kind of a, kind of like gives this off this discipline vibe. So when she brought that girl around to have a threesome, she said she wanted to give a gift to her husband. No, he perceived that as a gift to yourself. He read, especially him being a cancer too, he read the fuck out of that, okay? He realized that you was on some bullshit, Brittany, and he read your ass. He checked completely out that marriage. Now, the whole time he's talking about, I want to save my marriage because he's going back and forth, but he's really checked out because he really don't like the shit she pulled to get that chick. She was really out. And so whatever he perceived that happened during that threesome, he, he, it, 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 it Whatever it was, that shit was afterwards he she was gone. That's why you gotta be careful with threesomes. <laughs> Not only are threesomes messy, but also, you know, you gotta be careful with threesomes in terms of making sure that your the other partner that you decided to drag into a threesome is is not secretly judging you like Marcelino's been kind of judging Brittany on uh, Love After Lockup. And now she's, you know, tore up. And wait a minute. So the previews from next week for Love After Lockup, so Brittany goes home. She stays out all night. She's, you know, just kicking it with friends. She wakes up the next morning naked in bed, not saying anything happened, but with one of her female friends, Marcelino. Know what the fuck was found out? What the fuck was up with her? Crazy shit. But in some twisted way, odd way, he found out. <laughs> That's just my personal opinion. That was him kind of perceiving that she was not. Uh, she she wasn't uh, really all about him. So I, you know, and I think that she made a complete mistake when she did that relationship uh, with uh, him. So that's what's been going on in Love After Lockup. Also, you have Brittany, the other Brittany, isn't the other black Brittany, the black girl Brittany, and her fiance who just got out of jail about a year ago is trying to get her parents, uh, her parents. Uh, uh, her parents' approval for the wedding. Now, here's what I don't like about Brittany. Brittany has high expectations of this man. This man just got out of jail. She wants, and he owes $140,000 in restitution cash, okay? Now, she wants homeboy to be having babies right away and giving her diamonds and having a big wedding. I'm like, who the hell do you think you with? You were the dude that just got out of jail, and you putting pressure on him. One of the things that I think he – I forget what he went to jail. I think it was something to do with uh, 
uh, what was it? Uh, some maybe alleged. I don't know for sure, but don't quote me on this. But it was like still maybe taking money from a company. So you already know that he's pressured about money. So why would you put pressure on him and kind of put him in that same crazy ass scenario? Women like her who got it going on and stuff. I always I'm with the grandma. His the grandma was suspicious of that. I'm always wondering why you couldn't get nobody on the outside, why you had to go to jail for a man. And usually I think it's about control for those type of women, okay? You see that constantly on love after lockup. Women going to get these men that are in jail trying to uh, sugar mama them up. And I think they feel a little bit in control. So, very interesting, okay? So that's my love after lockup take. I wasn't supposed to talk to you about love after lockup, but I'm glad we had that little talk because, you know, that's one of my guilty pleasures. I love love after lockup, okay? Okay. So that was my rundown about um, the shows this week and my week. Okay, y'all, it's Beehive. How are you? Oh my God! Look at it. It's oh, we're past twelve o'clock. No, we're not. No, we're not. Is it still our birthday? Happy birthday! Should I be nice today? I'm sorry. She's in one of my stories. I'm not. I got a birthday gift for her though. We're gonna talk about the album swapping. Are we? Are we gonna talk about that on Beyonce's birthday? I have to give her a gift and the Beehive a gift. (laughs) It wouldn't be right. If I didn't give you a gift of a Beyonce story, okay? So we're going to have a Beyonce. Happy birthday, Beyonce. What's this like, 48? No, 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 40. 41. 1981? Is it 41? 48. 48 in in non-show business years. But show business, 41. Oh, I'm just playing me out. Oh, they cussing me out right now. <laughs> you know what? I better be hybrid this week, okay? And they were like, they came. They were like, you really don't like me? I was like, no, I like her. I just have criticisms. Sometimes I'm a beehiver. Sometimes I'm not. <laughs> but uh, we will talk about Beyonce a little bit later on in the show. Man, it has not been a renaissance in sales. And what happens when Beyonce has have a renaissance in sales? Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> it's time for the visuals. <laughs> I knew they, I knew it was coming. It's, it's supposed to be to do with Tiffany's, like a whole Tiffany's layout. She's trying to make it sound like it's a Tiffany's layout. <laughs> I love her team. They're so funny. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about how Beyonce's sales have just plummeted to the ground. Oh, my God, that can't be a great birthday gift. We'll talk about that. Beehive, just for you, okay? And Usher says no to versus battles. we got to talk about that. Biden, student loans, and taxes. Oh, is he still president? Oh, my God. I'd rather Donald be there. Yes, I said it. Oh, my God, I know how much y'all hate Donald. But listen here, he was way better. 
I don't know what the shit's going on right now. I just be like, you know what, Lord, we in the last days. <laughs> Joe Biden got his ass up there. It's, it's, it, it feel like it's over. And especially we got to talk about that speech he did the other night with the spooky-ass red and black, like he was preparing for Halloween and the military behind him and shit, and he started going off on Trump supporters. That was some scary shit, Joe. Oh, my God. It was like, you know, we used to have these places. Sidebar. We used to have these places at my church that were real popular in Kansas City called Christmas Tribulations. Okay? Okay. So, yeah. So y'all like, what was Christmas? What's Christmas tribulation? Well, people used to come from out of town to see this play. It would run for a week. I even had a role in this play for one year, and I mean for one Christmas year. And it was listen, it it wasn't no joke. It was hard work. It was a real production, everything. But the play was about the end times. It was about uh, 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 the Antichrist coming into power, and it was during Christmas time and the rapture happening. And this was just like. Such a big play. It used to be sold out all the time at my church. Big production, okay? And people would come from all over. It would always be sold out. And we had a big, I, I, I was in a, at a mega church at that time. Well, I am now. Uh, but it was it was big in Kansas City. So, listen, but every time they would do the Antichrist scene, I'm not saying Joe Biden's Antichrist. I know Joe Biden's not the Antichrist. But they, when they would do the Antichrist scene, it looked like Joe Biden's speech the other night scared the shit out of me. And the dude who used to play the Antichrist, oh, my God, he was so good. He would come up, you know, and be saying, you know, about the New World Order and stuff like that. That's what Joe looked like the other night. Oh, my God, y'all should have been scared shitless when y'all saw that. Oh, some scary shit Joe's on. Ooh, and, he's a, and, you know, he got that Scorpion shit going, too. Yeah, I'm a Scorpio. I know I can be scary, too. But it was scary. I mean, Scorpio's going dark, dark. is just scary, okay? Joe Biden scared the shit out of me, okay? Trump supporters, beware. Shit, they coming from, they might just start cheating y'all like y'all the, I don't know. They, I don't know. They, they get ready, they act like y'all Nazis and stuff up in here. I mean, oh, Lord, it's scary. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about Tyrese. Yes, the singer Tyrese. The judge handed Tyrese his ass this week. He's got to pay Samantha child support. Tyrese, why were you fighting child support? Oh, my God. Yeah, we'll talk about that, okay? Uh, weekend canceling. We got so much stuff to talk about. Weekend canceling this show, all kinds of stuff, okay? So when we get back, we're going to talk about all the celebrity news and everything that's going on in the world that I haven't been able to talk to you guys about. Man, it's good to be back and have these kind of fun conversations, okay? So, Let's get into it. Uh, what do you – hold on, you guys. Do I got it up? See, I was about to make – I thought I was getting ready to make a smooth transition, but sometimes it doesn't happen like that. <laughs> All right, you guys. Okay, will we get, uh, we're going to take a break, and who are we going to listen to as we go into our break? Oh, I know. One of my favorites, Kevin Ross, Looking for Love. I love this song. It's the CC Show. I'll be back in a moment, y'all. Say that you're not gonna make it 
for the very best in government, politics, celebrity entertainment, music news. Tune into the Carlotta Chatwood Show right here on Block Talk Radio. Okay, I am back on the CC Show. That was Shaka Kong and Love You All My Lifetime. I like that song. That's an old school in that right there. Okay, you guys, I am back, and we are talking hot topics. We're ready to get into it. Okay, this week, Joe Biden was tripping. Like I said, he had that little dark, scary thing where he started going off on Trump supporters and talking about they're gonna just trying to undermine the United States and all that, looking creepy like the Antichrist himself. <laughs> oh my God, with red and black, my heart it was just scary. Oh my God, it was, it was it was it was the worst. But anyway, so Trump. Fights back, okay? We're going to talk about that. Trump says, uh, let's see here. Where's it at? Is it, do I have it up? Uh, Donald Trump, this is according to uh, France24.com. It says, Donald Trump branded Joe Biden an enemy of the state Saturday as he hit back at the U.S. president's assertion that the Republican uh, and the and his supporters are undermining American democracy and slammed last month's FBI raid of his Florida home. And it's like making his first public appearance since August 8th raid, Trump told a rally in Pennsylvania that the search was a travesty of justice and it warned it would produce a backlash the likes of which nobody has ever seen. There can be no more vivid example of the very real threats from American freedom than just a few weeks ago you saw when we witnessed one of the most shocking abuses of power by any administration in American history, Trump claimed, despite longstanding protocols by which the Justice Department and the FBI act independently of the White House. Uh, Listen, I do believe the FBI and uh, but here's the deal. Let me just stop right here about this, and I'm going to let y'all hear some of Donald Trump. But let me tell y'all, when black people was telling y'all how these uh, agencies like the FBI rolled for years on black on black uh, leadership and black people, hey, shout out to FBI, CIA, they probably listening right now. <laughs> all right. So all these years they came after black people. Black people were uh, imagining things. Oh no! When they went after Dr. King, when they were recording under his bed and shit like that. I mean, going to Malcolm, trying to get Malcolm to be some sort of informant. It was they. They have always been crazy. So I, I, I here Donald Trump comes into power, trying to check these agencies for white people, because he's not checking them for black people, but he tried to check them for white people. Them fucking agencies have been out of control for the longest. You think they're going to take your checking? You think they're going to take, take, they're going to accept you trying to check their ass as a president? They've been running the presidents, allegedly. Okay? They ain't going to take you checking them too kindly to that, Donald. So, you know, listen, I feel this is a complete hit on Donald Trump. The idea of somebody, Donald Trump, and listen, I don't say this. I'm not one of those people. I think, I'm listen, I'm not one of those pe- people, and black people can get upset and be all man like, oh, you're a Trump person, you're Stacey Dash. No, I'm not Stacey Dash. I'm not anything. I, here's my thing, okay? My thing is I'm against people being done wrong no matter who they are because I don't want my people done wrong. 
So even I recognize they what they fucking with Donald Trump. Donald Trump ain't selling no uh, uh, them old ass uh, nuclear papers. If they got if they had something on Donald Trump, trust me, they be trying to take his ass to jail. This is about him running in 2024. They do not like Donald Trump. Donald Trump, I keep telling y'all, y'all better stop thinking in terms of Republican and Democrat. It's even Republicans against Donald Trump, neoconservatives, the party of Dick Cheney and George W. Bush. Why? Ask yourself why all them friends, Obama and all them, you know why? Because it's globalists, globalists versus nationalists. That's what we into right now, okay? Because you got globalist Democrats. And globalist Republicans and get nationalist Democrats and nationalist Republicans. Now, black people get scared every time we hear the word nationalism because nationalism has been, like I said, attached to racist. And, hey, we got a right to be a little afraid of crazy people. But really, nationalism is an ideology that some racists happen to adopt. What is nationalism? State first. I mean, your, your, your country first. You think of citizen first, right, patriots first or something like that. And a lot of times racists use that term. And so a lot of black so-called liberals who call themselves activists but really are Democrats, they'll scare you with the idea of, oh, my God, it's nationalist. But nationalist is ideology. You being a citizen of the United States, you want your citizenship to mean something. You want to put country first, right? Okay, so that's what that is. Now we not for the way they, the racists are for put country first. Remember, listen. Remember, there's a part in uh, what's the story of Fred Hampton, where Fred Hampton goes to people who he fundamentally does not agree with, but he 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 uh, he uh, he partners up with some of the uh, white clan uh, old. Skinhead guys, Klansmen, because they, because they, because he saw common ground in terms of like country first and stuff like. Remember, and there's a part in the movie that's one of the things, the reasons for Fran Hampton was so dangerous, right? So, um, so that's sort of like you can find common ground because as black people. One of the things I keep saying out here, and this isn't meaning that you got to like the Republicans. I'm not saying Republicans are the answers to your problem. No, it depends on where you live at, okay? But what I'm saying is this, that there's no way you're going to fight for reparations. It's going to be hard fought or you know, it's going to be very little to fight for it in a globalist system. But where you can fight probably a little better is a system that puts country first. So sometimes you may not like Donald Trump, but there may be some fallout to some of the things that he is going for, like he's against globalists and against citizens, uh, against illegal immigration and certain things like that. Yes, we know black people. Black people, we get it. We know that it ain't for black people. Yes, but some of that fallout you can make amends on if he gets in office. I feel like it's better to have him than my personal opinion, than Biden. Because Biden, what's what's happened to the Democrats and black people, black people are too in with the Democrats to the point they get nothing done. They don't put pressure on them anymore. There's nothing there, okay? Whereas there is some common ground over there, even though you don't like Donald Trump, certain things about Donald Trump, there is common, because see, both are racist groups. You can't think of one is nicer than the other. There is no nicer. So what you have to think is what are you trying to achieve, and I just think Donald Trump happens to be right now, if you're going to maintain the United States in a whole, 
on the foreign front and not let it fall to globalism, then Donald Trump is that man. And that's one of the reasons they don't like Donald Trump. He's a nationalist. He's a dinosaur in the age of globalism. And until you understand globalism and nationalism, if you're still talking domestic front stuff, uh, you know, I, uh, I heard Dr. Umar say something one time, and I thought that's so true. He said they no longer set domestic policy. It's already been set. Well, in some ways I agree with that uh, because Americans don't too much pay attention anymore to uh, uh, their politics, unfortunately. However, I happen to think that if we pay attention to on the what's going on on the stage, this is a stage of globalism. That's why that's why black people are having a hard time, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later on about Brits about about Brits taking acting roles uh, in Hollywood. Well, that's part of the new globalism phase, a world without borders. See, if you don't understand what's coming, you can sit talk reparations all day, and I'm for reparations. Yes. But if you don't understand the chess game being played on the stage, the global stage, then you will lose the fight for black people because it's really a globalism, nationalism thing going on. And some people, what some people perceive as the ideal state for in order to for something like globalism to move forward is places like China. So some people are for the fall of America for places like China to come up. I'm not. <laughs> okay? So um, I see a lot of things, different things here. I thought I'm just exactly off with Donald Trump, but I understand why they're after him, okay? That um, don't mean he's for black people. I'm just saying I understand what the deal is. So let's take a listen to Trump at his rally and what he said this week. About Joe Biden, okay? Campaign trail. Speaking just two days after U.S. President Joe Biden's address in Pennsylvania, former President Donald Trump gave a divisive speech in the swing state two months before midterm elections. He's an enemy of the state. You want to know the truth? The enemy of the state is him and the group that control him. His rally rant comes after Biden warned Trump's ideology puts U.S. democracy at stake. The former president's currently under investigation by the FBI for violating multiple federal laws against mishandling classified information. Trump called the August raid a travesty of justice. The FBI and the Justice Department have become vicious monsters, controlled by radical left scoundrels, lawyers, and the media, who tell them what to do, you people right there, and when to do it. Confidence of a Republican victory this November, Trump could have his eyes next set on 2024's president. Okay, that was from 24 Friends. Listen, there are the there are a lot of people worldwide. Donald Trump was checking some shit. I, I hate to tell y'all this. I know y'all don't like him, but he was handling some shit on a global stage that needed to be handled and are handled in some ways. Not he wasn't perfect, but in ways for America to take to keep it standing. Look at where it's at now. I'm just telling y'all. Okay, so uh, I feel like COVID was dealt to him. <laughs> Listen, these people are not above. Let me tell you something. You got a dirty world out here. 
I ain't saying Donald Trump is God's gift, God's answer, but you know what? Let me tell you something, okay? Sometimes it could be people in place that ain't that great, but they could be they could be moving the atmosphere in some sort of way. And what I will just say with this is that if you can't tell darkness is descended since Joe Biden and them been up in there, you crazy. Who comes out with a dark, a whole black thing behind them with red? Uh, and, and with the military, that uh, that's not that that should just be scary to normal Americans. I mean, that's just some scary shit. Not that Donald wasn't scary sometimes, but Donald's a Gemini. Geminis are just scary. They crazy as fuck. I mean, Scorpios are too. But Scorpios, when they get dark like that, you better watch the fuck out. You know. But here's the thing. I just say this about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a dinosaur. On the uh, on the world stage, he's ta- he's not going with the globalism bit. He's not he's kind of not he's a globalist in terms of business and things like that. But he's not a globalist in terms of how he he ranks America and putting America for, for first and stuff like that. That makes him a danger to things. Like if you ever listen to Davos and stuff like that, if you black, which most Americans don't. That's what's scary to me. Most Americans make these crazy decisions of voting and everything, but they don't know how the world is moving, <laughs> right? So when you ask the average Americans, have you ever heard of Davos? They don't know nothing about it, but where these world leaders come together and be talking about different things. Donald Trump does not fit those agendas of those elites and those people. And where they want to take the world, he actually stands in the way of that. And my opinion is that if black folks is gonna get any reparations and pay for uh, for, I mean they you know reparation now, these globalists will try to sell off reparations for everybody. It, it'll be a small like a, the world stage needs to pay reparations to all black people instead of having states pay them. Just, that's a very uh, you know. Very sticky and have black Americans represent that globalist face, but why? be careful of that, okay? The only way black people get to me what they deserve is if this shit stays standing, <laughs> all right? And so to me, the best person right now I see, I'm sure there's a lot of better choices out there. Not that I like him that great, but he's far better than uh, uh, Joe Biden is Donald Trump, okay? And so Joe Biden is a globalist. He is the senator from Delaware, Okay, where was what used to you used to get uh, credit card bills in the mail? What was it from Delaware it used to be? Because that used to be the main place for the bank. Ah, y'all better be found. Y'all better be looking up these people. Okay, the banks. Yeah, I said the banks. I believe that. I believe my personal opinion. This is quite a lot of one on one. No facts. But my personal opinion is Joe Biden was the Barack Obama's handler. That's why he was VP. I said what I said. And y'all still up there calling Barack and Michelle Emperor, and Barack didn't do shit. It's not a damn thing for black people, okay? Not a damn thing. <laughs> okay, so here is, you know, so my thing is, you know, I, I see Donald Trump, this Donald Trump thing very differently. I talked about it last week. I said how they can't, they don't really want to Kennedy him, these powers that be, in my opinion, because it's far too messy. Y'all too smart on the Internet today. Y'all be doing all kind of stuff. Now, they do own the media. 
notice it notice there's only one media outlet that's kind of for semi for Trump and you got to be careful of that one because they're neoconservatives too. Remember neocons, remember people say, "Oh, there's not that much difference between George W. Clinton and Obama because they're not. It's not about being Republican and Democrat. They're globalists. Their foreign policies were very similar. Not Donald Trump's. <laughs> okay? So, I mean, so you guys have to pay attention to things like that. That's why you'll understand the things of the world. What did they do? They put out a Donald Trump. They put out the race trope. Oh, he's a racist. He's in there. Blah, 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 blah. All the things that get black people emotional and people, they, 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 they really – Donald Trump is the same dude they was all hanging with. All these celebrities and bullshit and, and, and mofos was hanging with before he became president. He's the same mofo, okay? That same one. Did he? Everybody used to having a rap songs. Was the same person, okay? And yes, is he using that racist constituent? Yes, is he? Does he carry some racial issues? All them people who sit in those high seats. Uh, have racial have white supremacy issues, okay? Best believe that, okay? White supremacy is a thing that does does not stop. Does you don't stop fighting because Democrats are in. Democrats to me are the worst white supremacists. Look at their policies, and look at Black American the Black American community and the racial gap. Black Americans have been voting uh, Democrat for the last sixty some odd years, and you're the lowest in stats. On every, and not saying Republicans will treat you better, but you're the low. You you haven't had a come to Jesus meeting about where you're at. You just haven't had the people. We haven't had the people had that come to Jesus meeting. We have. We we we. Oh, I'm a Democrat. Democrats, you have not changed. Your stats haven't changed. Partly because you're voting for the same old crap without asking for things, without uh, being political, politically aware, all these things. You're voting in terms of listening to MSNBC. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, we're crazy, okay? And yet we're the lowest on the totem pole in our, in our financial things, and that's not, it's partly due to slavery, but it's partly due to the way we, we handle politics, just my opinion. Now, and I and I agree with Yvette Carnell and them when they do talk about politicking. I just just I just don't like to. Uh, I, I don't champion Democrats. I, I and I don't champion Republicans. But I do like Republicans in some ways a little bit better than Democrats because they do know how to balance the budget. But other than that, you know, uh, yeah, I think and I do like Donald Trump on the foreign policy front. Um, yeah. It's not to me. I, I, I you know, I, I, I know they're doing a, a job on Donald Trump, and that's to really sully his name so that he can't run in 2024. Okay. Um, also, there was this thing where they said on Newsweek, Trump may have sold classified documents should be arrested or Kushner. Okay, this is according to. Uh, MSN.com is saying legal analysis. Glenn Kushner said Friday that former President Donald Trump might have sold classified documents that were found missing from dozens of empty folders with classified markings that were retrieved by FBI agents who searched his Florida home last month. Trust me, 
they don't have any. I, you know what? Because you, you got to have watched over the years how the FBI roll. Ain't nothing there. This is a sully, and they, and they trying to look for stuff, okay? Uh, this sounds like an episode of 24. Remember the a president on 24 where they had the bad president that ran for one time or something like this? This reminds me of 24. <laughs> uh, but it says the most reasonable inference is that Donald Trump disposed of those classified documents after unlawfully taking them to the White House. Kushner said in a video post on YouTube, to what purpose did he use them? Did he sell them to America's adversaries? Did he use them to blackmail people? I mean, you know that he's being watched. Donald Trump is such a – how the fuck – you know you know he's – you know he is – this is so fucking stupid because Donald Trump, in my personal opinion, is watched more than any other president and hated more than any other president. To think he can fucking – so, first of all, they're not saying what those papers are. you talking about them old-ass – Codes, like I said, ain't no way. But Donald Trump, how he gonna get away with selling shit? How he gonna? This is just some bullshit. I think they done cre- creeped up, and I ain't saying that because I'm all in. I'm in the Trump. No, and I'm not saying that Donald Trump is not uh, uh, beyond criminal criminality. All them politicians are criminals. Okay, a lot of them, in my personal opinion, not all of them, but a lot of them. Okay, so uh, yeah, uh, you, but but that that's too blatant. Okay, and this is just nobody has any proof of anything. This is just to have the press because if you, it's like today. Listen, today they can the press can change your life in one day, and that's why I want people to start critically thinking. That's why I love this uh, thing, uh, this that speech on uh, on news. Uh, I forget that old speech on. Uh, it was a part of that old. Uh, let me look it up here on. Uh, let me see if I got time. news. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can find it. Uh, it was a movie. I forget the name of the um, this movie, but it, they talk. It, it talks about uh, God. I, I I've gone blank about the name of this. Uh, uh, this movie, but it it talks about he he gives this speech uh, in this movie. Oh my God, I forget. I hate that I've forgotten the name of the movie. But in this, it's a famous speech that is given where he talks about that the television at the time is television can bring down any politician. It can bring down any person. And 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 they can tell lies on that tube, and you believe them. Because you don't read enough and you don't do this and that. This was made in the seventies, right? And um the very interesting thing about this uh, uh about that is because we live in a world today where that happens. One in one day you can be um you can be famous and people like you and then suddenly the news press can go on a witch hunt for uh, against you with no no proof of nothing and nothing 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 and ruin your whole life all day long. All they gotta do is just repeat a lie or repeat what they think they heard. It's kind of what we do with celebrity news and stuff like that, but it's a little bit different. They can just go on and make it sound like it's fact. 
I mean, and you can ruin people. We see that with the Me Too movement, some parts of the Me Too movement, not all parts, but some parts of it where people have exaggerated and lied, uh, uh, all kinds of things. So you have to be careful of when you see the press just constantly berating one person. And I even think it's uh, the one network that kind of looks like some truth because I feel like it's political theater happening in your face to make you crazy. All these people are saying one thing. Now you got uh, Joe Biden saying you're an enemy because you don't think like me. You're trying to undermine America if you're a Republican. If you if you don't believe what I believe, that the border should be open, and you should just be doing whatever the fuck you want to do in America, <laughs> having lawlessness then, you know, you a MAGA person and you agree with Trump or anything like that, you undermine it. It's just crazy. That is, that's crazy talk. And it's crazy when it happens from the other side, too. Remember that the neocons were masters at that. George W. Bush and them, they used to do that shit all the time. <laughs> uh, make one group look really bad. If they remember when the Democrats were progressive and they were against uh, 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 George W. and the war, well, they made people look like monsters if they were against them. It's the same shit going on, but this time it's more of a push towards this. We're going, we're getting deeper into this new world order thing. And we can't have nobody like Donald Trump rolling back the time trying to make America first because American citizens, you just don't know. You ain't the shit no more. <laughs> oh, we've given you too much freedom. Too much freedom. Oh, our ideal state are places like China. <laughs> we need you a little bit more controlled in society. Oh, we've given Americans too much especially white Americans, now is your time. Now the world needs to be a prison. <laughs> That's just what I feel is going on in the world today, okay? I feel like we are we are in, we are coming, the heartbeat is towards this uh, America stands, the ideals, the idealism of America, because America's never per- been perfect. But the idealism behind America, I think in this next phase, they want to phase that out. So I think that people, if he, a lot of people are hearing those drum beats. It's not that they agree and like Donald Trump or they agree with him or they think Donald Trump's a god. I think people are 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 wondering like there is a change afoot. There is something that is happening. And it doesn't look right right now. You know what I'm saying? So interesting, okay? Very interesting. Just my opinion on that whole thing. But they're definitely trying to get at Donald because uh, they don't like what Donald Trump stands for. Okay, now Idris Elba (laughs) this week has been kind of uh, talking about British actors. uh, You know, they've been asking him about British actors taking American actors – Jobs, okay, and I believe that's even a part of globalism, okay, because one of the ways that you work the ideals of globalism and to create a world, um, these types of worlds, you work through uh, the place where ideals are born, where creative creations, 
and and ideals are pushed, which are Hollywood. Okay, and Hollywood, um, like, here's the thing: Black America, you may have built Black America, but you're no longer the thing anymore. Nothing that's American is the thing. It's about a globalist world. Everybody. Uh, like a big, you know, hodgepodge of things, even though, even if it means putting you down to the bottom, okay? (laughs) Now, we know how white supremacy works as black Americans. We know also that sometimes they want black Brit actors, African actors, and stuff like that, because it's always in America, white supremacy is always worked against black America. Why? Because black America is the group that stands in defiance to to and and always checks America about what it should be. America, you are not living up to your promise because there is me. You haven't given me what you owe me. You haven't apologized to me. You haven't given rep- so black Americans a lot of times White supremacy in America will use use other people in the diaspora because there's this idea that, oh, to be number two in America or to be number two in America is better than in being uh, number one in Haiti <laughs> or something like that or number one in this and that. And so they feel like you'll behave better because you don't have the baggage of black America. But what I, I don't call it baggage, you don't have the cow that black Americans do. Okay, and black Americans have the call to set their country, black Americans are the true patriots, okay, have the call to set their country on course to be right. We are, in a sense, uh, the the prophets of America, in my sense, in my in my belief, that we were, we're constantly there to run. So, so white, white America would love to use uh Brits on the set instead of black people. <laughs> you know, and, there, and there's a number of reasons to, to pit black people against each other and for you to think you're doing something special if you're coming over here taking black Americans out. It's all kind of energy they, they that white supremacists love to create. But Idris Elba, Idris Elba slams annoying debate over black British actors uh, taking American roles, an unintelligent argument. It is not an unintelligent argument, and as Yvette Cornell pointed out this week, she had a post up talking about when Michael Douglas was talking about it back in 2015 with white actors, because the globalism isn't just affecting black people, it's now affecting white actors too, okay? So it says, he says, the upcoming Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with some, Dance Somebody, so as BAFTA-winning actor Naomi Aki has the legendary singer, which means the debate over black British actors taking roles away from American actors is bound to resurface. The debate surged in 2017 after Samuel L. Jackson called out Daniel Kaluuya casting in Get Out, for which he earned an Oscar nomination. He said, I tend to wonder what the movie would have been with an American brother who really feels that Jackson said. In a new interview on The Shop, uh, Idris Elba uh, railed against the claim that black British actors take roles away from American actors. Naomi Aki's role in I Want to Dance with Somebody served as a launching pad for the discussion. Talk show host Maverick Carter asked Elba about Aki's casting, knowing that black American women might criticize a British actor playing an American icon. He said, you know what I noticed? You said black women in America versus an English woman. Elba said, like being English makes you less black. 
to me, that defines how unintelligent the argument is. No disrespect to anyone who has that feeling. It is what it is. Elba continues, the fact is we are all black. You get a Scottish actor playing an Irish character or an English actor, you don't hear about the debate. That's not true. (laughs) But amongst ourselves, we want to point fingers because we come from a conditioning that makes people just make sure uh, make sure where you're from and are you authentic from where you're from? How black are you? And it comes down to the caste system, and it's annoying to me, really annoying. Then he goes on to say, my grandfather fought the Second World War for this country, the U.S. He comes from Kansas City, Elba concluded. I come to this country and someone says to me, you ain't American. I'm like, huh? Well, Idris, you're not. Technically, your citizenship, I think, is in London, okay? Listen, let's stop this, okay? Here's the difference. We are all black, but we have different experiences. And black American actors have played other roles in their own American movie system. They have played roles of British actors, I mean, of Nigerians and all kind of people around the world and done hell, because they love to say British actors are better than uh, black actors and stuff like that, but it's not, that's, that's, yeah. Anyway, black actors have done a great job. Why? Because black actors, most black actors will go throw themselves into the roles. They will find everything out about black American culture whatsoever. But when I hear this kind of talk from a British person, when I hear this kind of talk, he proves the point of why we should pay attention to that. I think Idris Elba is a dynamite actor. He's just a great actor. But Daniel Kaluuya is okay. Some of them roles I was like, eh, uh, Cynthia Revo's okay, <laughs> right? So you know what I'm saying. So there are some roles that would be better suited for Black Americans who have had that experience. When you say stuff like "we're all black," your experience as a Black English Brit is not the same as my experience as a Black American. And as Black Americans, we don't all have the same experience, but we do share some uh, same roads traveled. Because there's a connection to the soil. So when you don't understand that, has a, has, has a black person coming, if, 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 Holly, if British, if in Britain, you know what I'm saying, there was, a, uh, Hollywood was there, it was the big, the movie, big movie thing uh, industry was in Britain, uh, they'd be mad if we was coming over here taking jobs, okay? So it's not that we're upset and we're not saying no British actor can do anything, but you can tell there is something happening. And white supremacy loves to play these games, even in Hollywood. White supremacists will make you think, as a black Brit, you're better. And they will make you think, oh, what, you're the same. No, you're not the same. The black American experience is very different than, than those in the diaspora. Our experience in America is very, we don't get treated the same. We don't get treated the same as you with an accent. Ask most black people. Most black people know that. Most, most even black people say, shoot, they treat them better. Why? Because you don't carry the weight or the call to deal with this group over here like we do. That doesn't mean you can't come in and be a part of it, but to disrespect us and to disrespect our experience and say, well, we all black because you want to get a job and a check is disrespectful, and that tells me you have no business. As a matter of fact, if I heard that as a director from him being black American, I would never probably hire him again 
because I'd be like, he has no respect for the black American experience. He can act real well, but he, if I couldn't hire him to play a black American. He has no respect for their experience. He thinks everybody's black. I understand there's a difference between a person in Britain born into slavery and living in Britain than there is an African who moved to Britain. The experiences are different. I understand there's a difference between a Haitian and my a Haitian born first generation American and my experience. So when people say we all black, that's so disrespectful and it's so and to say we're being xenophobic or something like that's ridiculous. It's the most, that shows me you have no Concepts of anything I say the same thing about my faith I say it all the time Sorry, sorry Maxwell I say it all the time about Maxwell Maxwell does the same shit kind of I don't like it when he do it I don't like it when Idris do it I don't like it when nobody Because it's like What I disrespect uh, I think What's Idris from Nigeria? I think Or that's his original The original country He's from British He's got a citizenship in British But his family I think is Nigerian He's now Now Kansas City <laughs> Which is my hometown Right Uh it's still your grandfather might have been over here, but you didn't stay. <laughs> or your family, who, somebody, somebody vacated the premises. So I don't consider your experience an American, a black American one. Um, and when you talk about some uh, artists like Maxwell, who is half Haitian and half Puerto Rican, that's not my experience as a black American. Your family was not slaves on the soil. Even though you look like me and you sound like me, and you may agree was you was born and raised in Brooklyn. Your experience is not the same as a black American who was born and raised in Brooklyn, and their families have been on the soil generation after generation. It is a different experience. You even eat differently. What the fuck? What is the what is the disrespect? It's so it's oh we all black. Then if I just start saying, huh, if I went over to Haiti and start taking over Haiti and stuff, say we all black, so it don't even matter. No, that would not grow. Okay. Shit, they were going off school and they white club just wanted to be president. They thought he was too Americanized. I mean, he's Haitian. <laughs> so that's what I'm just trying to say. I mean, there is a difference. And when you see, when you, it doesn't mean that you can't be a part of the film industry. It's that black people in America have to question that. Because we understand white supremacy and how it rolls in these streets over here in America. Where you might not understand it as much as we do. And we know how they roll against us. So we got to watch the shit. And we got to ask some questions because we work so very hard as black people to get a foot into those industries. When they used to make, up, uh, when they was making, uh, what's her name, come through the back door to get her fucking Oscar. What's the lady's name? Hattie McDaniel. Yes, Caribbeans like, uh, 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 what's her name? Sydney Poitier. Yes, we understand that. But Sydney probably got some advantages because we use Caribbean too. Facts. That's probably something we don't want to talk about. But at the time, Sydney knew not to come over here talking shit about black America, talking this and that. He was, he was down. He understood what, what, what was supposed to be, what's supposed to be done. I mean, now you got a lot of people over here talking shit. Oh, wait, black people. 
it's, I've never seen such more disrespect than I have the last several years. And there's this thing to want to say, oh, well, I'm black, so I want to speak for the black American experience in America. No, you can speak for the black Haiti experience, or you can speak for the black uh, Nigerian experience, but you can't speak for the black American experience. It's very different from your experience. Until we all understand that, it is what it is, okay? I hate that. That's what the work. That shows me that he does not have an understanding, okay? And instead of saying, hey, you know what, black, instead of understanding what's happened in black America, I get it. Black America has often been marginalized, even with other groups from the diaspora coming over here. Instead of saying something like that and try to understand so I, I understand why they have to look under the hood and dissect what what's going on with British actors because black America, you know, there's not a lot of roles now, and they still struggle to get, black people still struggle to get roles. And so in some senses, that this is why they have to look under the hood to see what white supremacy is up to. Because <laughs> we understand it Well you come over here And you think oh they like me This is this and this and that, and that No it's because you might be easier to deal with You won't talk You won't You you may not stand up for yourself Like black Americans do Because black Americans have had Centuries I'm not saying all Brits and stuff But black Americans have had centuries of being disrespected So we know how the American white supremacy system works So we get it We see it right away We know the coding Whereas sometimes Nigerians or, or Jamaican or Some people, not all But don't understand it as well as, well as we do And we know that sometimes That white guilt will allow them to hire somebody uh, I'll work with somebody of a different African descent because they don't have to confront uh, the, what is the best word? They don't have to confront the, um, this, this, uh, the, the, the lack of opportunity and stuff towards black Americans since slavery. Oh, they don't want to deal with that. So it'd be easier to deal with a British person. Oh, I can, and then they'll tell you, oh, we consider you all black. No, they don't. They know. <laughs> there's a difference because they know there's a difference. Okay, and that's been going on forever. Okay, most black people in just even in the hood can tell you that. <laughs> they can tell you, oh yeah, they treat y'all better than us. <laughs> so it's a whole different. It's a different. It's a different relationship. And if you don't understand that and you're playing black American roles, that's scary. That means you, you probably aren't paying them very well because you don't understand our experience as an actor. So if you don't understand the experience and why we have to look under the hood about what's the, what is the, making sure what the motives are for bringing black Brit actors in, already into a place where there's not a lot of opportunity for for people who have been on the store for seven and eight years. Why we don't have to, why we got to look at that has nothing, means it's nothing against you, but they may be trying to use you against us. And you don't understand that dynamic? That tells me you shouldn't be playing American roles because you don't understand the history of 
between of, of what black people in America have went through on, on the soil. So very interesting. And I think that if you know what, let me tell you this: the artist that catches that, the English artist that catches that, that catches that energy and says, you know what, hey, I get it. You know, that gives props to Black America. I, I, I listen here, I appreciate Black America. Blah 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 blah. That understands the differences and everything. Don't try to make it like we all saying we all that, 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 that. Don't try to do all that, but recognizes the difference. Loves on Black American people and stuff like that. I'm, t- they gonna get great things because you know. Black people love that. Black people love, but black people can tell when you're sitting up there trying to um, move your way in. It's, it's just, it's like, you know, or, or when you're trying to, um, when you're not just keeping it real. And that's a, that's a no-no mostly in our community. But when you're, when you're, when you're a stand-up person in other, from the diaspora and you say, I respect African Americans. I respect what I respect what they've done for the world. I respect. I'm just glad they allowed me to. I, we we get to. I get to be a part of their community. They come in humble and stuff. You get all kind of love. But when you come in there, we all black and you all. You got all kind of uh, hangups and you scared that 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 your bag is about to be ruined because people don't consider you the same as them. Your bag probably usually don't get ruined. <laughs> Because that's your insecurity, and you can't give props to the people you need to give props to. It's crazy. It's crazy, this this thing that's happening. I would give props to, if I was in uh, Nigeria, to Nigerians, what kind of sense would it make if, me, if I was living in Nigeria and wouldn't be giving no love to the to the people who live there? It's crazy shit. It's just crazy. All right, so I thought that was interesting, y'all. Did we talk about Megan Markle yet? <sighs> Megan Markle. Yeah, I really like her. But I thought Megan proved her point this I I thought Megan Markle oh, there were so many things that came out this week about Megan Markle that I said to myself, you know what? <laughs> She's revealing her truth. Okay, let's start off with Nelson Mandela's grandson slams Meghan Markle for comparing wedding to freedom, okay? But here, this is according to uh, page6.com. It says, one of Nelson Mandela's grandsons slammed Meghan Markle for comparing her royal wedding to his grandfather being freed from prison. Madiba's celebration was based on overcoming 350 years of colonism, colonialism, with 60 years of brutal apartheid uh, regime in South Africa. Uh, Zewelville Mandela uh, told the Daily Mail Tuesday using the nickname to refer to a late activist. A member of the parliament and chief of Nelson Mavizo's tribe added, it cannot be equated as the same. Zwellville, I don't know if I'm saying their name right, 48 shared that he was surprised about Markle's recent comments saying that South Africans dancing in the streets for his grandfather's release in 1990 after 27 years in prison was more important and more serious than uh, and more, uh, more serious than her marriage to a white prince. We're still bearing the scars of the past, but Nelson Mandela 
celebrations were a product of the majority of our people being brought out into the streets to exercise the right of voting for the first time, he said. Uh, the criticism of the Duchess of Sussex 41 comes after she shared during a recent interview with The Cut that someone once told her the public reactions to her marriage to Prince Harry and Nelson Mandela freedom were comparable. Uh, Marco said she was attending a 2019 premiere of the live-action version of The Lion King in London when a South African cast member from the film pulled her aside. He looked at me, and he, and he's just like, like, he said, I just need you to know, when you married into this family, we rejoiced in the streets the same way we did when Mandela was freed from prison, she recalled. <laughs> and now I get that because I believe somebody told her that. And I believe that some people took on to that. That's just like some people here in America, but you, that means you don't understand the history of of, uh, of a co- colonial family. And, you know, listen, I got respect for Elizabeth. I don't do – I like to agree with everything that Elizabeth done, but I respect her game. But I do understand colonization, right, um, and Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle, let me just explain y'all something, okay, about Meghan Markle, because we get ready to get in her for a second. Where is the other article? She had an interview with Mariah Carey this week. She just tells on herself, and I just, I want us to catch it when we to catch. Megan, Duchess of Sussex, describes no longer being treated as a mixed woman. Now I know all kind of mixed women. Okay, listen. Okay, listen. The black race is fundamentally a mixed race. Okay, black in America because of slavery and stuff like that. I mean, we're not close. Some of us are not as close to our mother and father or stuff like that. I mean, but you know, I'm a fair-skinned girl. Uh, you know, uh, 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 we had some mixing going on somewhere in the, uh, the master might have been in the slave quarters or something like that. <laughs> I mean, you mostly in a lot of people's slave quarters, right? Uh, but Meghan Markle, most mixed people, most mixed women in America are treated like black women. <laughs> okay, but Meghan Markle said this week, this is from The Cut, she said, each week Meghan, Duchess of Sussex, and The Cut, and cut fashion issue movie stars dropping new episodes of her newish podcast, Archetypes, sitting down with women to discuss a word that has been denigrate women in their accomplishments. This week, Megan invited Mariah Carey to unpack the word diva. The most revealing part of the conversation centered around their presence as light-skinned biracial women and how things shifted when they hit a certain level of fame. Looking back to when she first identified with Carrie as a biracial woman, Megan said, I had read this article about Haley Berry, and they were asking her how she felt being treated as a mixed-race woman in the world. And her response was saying, well, your experience to the world is how people view you. So she said because she was darker in color, she was being treated as a black woman, not as a mixed woman. The podcast, now wait a minute, I'm going to tell you something about Meghan Markle, okay, because Meghan Markle, if you look at her pictures when she was little, she looked more black than anything, but I digress. Uh, the podcast host added for that for years she felt she existed in an in-between zone. You're not treated as a black woman. You're not treated as a white woman, she explained, and that she felt the perception of her ethnicity shift when she started dating her husband, Prince Harry. Then I started to understand what it was like to be treated like a black woman. So you didn't give a fuck before, huh? Let, let me, that's why people got to listen to what people saying. Okay, then she says, then I started to understand what it was like to be, because until then I had been treated as a mixed woman. No, you hadn't. You had a white woman experience. 
and what you were being treated like, Megan, because you didn't know anything about blackness. I would have preferred her to tell the truth. I would have preferred her to tell the truth, and I would have respected that. I would have respected you were treated more on the white side. You had probably you probably went to a white school, mostly white friends. Mostly, see, cause here, let's talk about this. Let me just say this, and I'm not saying this is Megan Markle's mama. I don't know Megan Markle's mama, but this experience of slavery in America, specifically all around the world, white supremacy has had an impact on how black people see themselves all around the world, but specifically in America, it, 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 colorism. Race has made left some black people with scars deeper than you can imagine. And some people marry interracially because they trying to find, I mean, you know, sometimes they trying to, I'm, you know, there are black people who marry white people because they racist against their own people and will, will sometimes ice their children out from the experience of blackness. Oh, you're not, I don't want you to be like those black kids over there or those black people over there. And they will have an experience of white, especially in the time she grew up, okay? So Megan Markle grew up in a time where she was considered white. She didn't have to, uh, she she was uh, kind of in a fairy tale land. And so she had never been, they probably talked about her behind her back or something like that, but she really didn't have, that's why she couldn't handle really being married to Harry. That's why she ran, ended up running back over here, because she's never had the experience of being called a nigger to her face. She never had what well, Paul Mooney calls the nigger wake-up call. She never had her nigger wake-up call. You remember that part? If y'all ever seen Haley Berry when she played in the movie about how, uh, about um, uh, 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 Alex Haley's grandma, Queen? It's, and my grandfather, them Queen, used to live in Kansas City, Kansas, except get the Haley family was from Kansas. My grandfather always told me such stories because they knew Queen when she has a the person who Alex Haley wrote that book about. But she tried to pass because listen, it was race in America was harsh. I mean, it was a harsh taskmaster, especially in the fifties, thirties. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you hear some of the stories. Oh my God, hideous, and it's left some black folks sick. Okay, uh, even today it's passed on to generations with colorism and stuff like that. And sometimes we as black people ain't dealt with that that sickness. You know what I'm saying? That race, how race affects us. And that's all around the world throughout the diaspora, but specifically America because it was such a harsh, harshness, okay? And uh, America ended up, you know, spreading that through television and everything. So, but, and we'll have to talk about that another time. But in the movie Queen, Haley Berry's trying to pass as white, but they find out she's black, and they, you know, the white folks treat her hard. They let her give her her nigga wake-up call. And so she comes to church, and there's all these black people in church, and she's coming through the door after the white people done beat her all up and everything. She's like, I'm nigga. I'm nigga. <laughs> no, it's not funny. But at the time, I just always remember that, that that's the big part of me. She's coming to the religion. They traumatized her so bad, even though she could pass for white, when they find out that she is black, she has such the wake up. Her eyes are negra. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what happened to Meghan Markle when she took her ass over there to London, okay? And she tried to marry within that white family. She wasn't thinking about carrying the black mantle or breaking the 
breaking the down doors as a black woman marrying into a imperialistic family. Even Diana had visions of breaking the breaking some sort of ceiling as far as caring and stuff. But you know what I think about Meghan Markle? I think that bitch just wanted to be a part of that family, okay? She thought she was going to have the white experience that she had always got, that her mama, in my personal opinion, this is my personal opinion, may have shielded her from and put her in places where she had this little white lollipop experience and she married and she married the talent scout agency. She was over there in Canada playing on suits, still not paying no attention to black people and what black people experience all the time. And then she took her ass and married Prince Harry. And she thought she was going to live in London happily ever after. That heifer thought she was going to be Diana. And they let her know real quick, what color is them babies going to be? Uh, so you, uh, so you's a nigga, huh? They actually, they start that British press started letting her know. They said, we the mama of America. We the, we the real white. We the colonizers. It's what you think you trying to do up in here. <laughs> oh, and you from American slavery. You from that chattel slavery. Oh, they start letting her know. She had never had that experience. Now that helped her because she got treated like what she was. Now she wanted to run, ruin Harry's life because she, she, something in her family, somebody in her family, I don't know who it was, but she was sick in some sort of way. She had some race sickness that she really needs to work out. I hope she works it out. A race sickness of not understanding racial dynamics and stuff like that. And now she wants to run because she had the black experience. Really, she's running. She's not running. She's not running from them treating her bad. She's running from the black experience. She ran back over to America to be treated like a star that's married to Harry because they was too tough on that colonization up there. So now she wants to, because black people are worshiping her as some sort of princess when we really shouldn't be giving a fuck about her, but we, we worshiping her. So now she wants that worship. See, she is a Leo. You got to get it. You got to get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's really what's going on. She really don't, she don't really want no experience. She just got fucked up. They fucked her up over there in London. She couldn't live white and happy. Like, she can't, you know, that's why she ran back over here with Harry. She's like, they ain't going to let me, them, these white people over here ain't going to let me live white and happy. <laughs> I done fucked up and married royalty. And now they really, see, a black girl with real black girl experience would have known how to handle their ass. She would still been over there in London. But because she was trying to have a white woman experience, not a mixed woman experience, she was trying to have a white woman, she was trying to hide from her blackness. But they reminded her every day who the fuck she was. Hey, little Miss Blackie. <laughs> that's why I was. That's why I was. And she couldn't handle it, so she ran back over here so she could be worshipped. But I say fuck Megan Markle. I really do because I feel like she ruined that boy's life. She got him over here. He's over there with the chicken coops over there, all that. But anyway, but she tells this little story. I had been treated as a mixed woman, and things really shifted. She said. That's an interesting thing, a mixed woman, Carrie responded, because I always thought it should be okay to say I'm mixed. It should be okay to say that, but people want you to choose. Even Mariah Carey even could recognize that shit, but she don't want to say it. Um, Megan Markle is a dynamic on race sickness. I really believe that. and I really No, 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 I really do. 
uh, I believe she, and I don't think it has anything to do with being light, wearing your hair a certain way and all this. It's just that she tried to have a white woman experience, and I wish she would say that. I wish she would be truthful with herself and say, you know, I grew up in a white area, white neighborhood. I was mostly around white kids. I never thought I had to think about my blackness. I never thought about it. I ran from it. or My my parents shielded me from that experience. And when I got to London, they let me know who I was. She's still in denial about who she is. That's why she came ran over here to America because she knew that celebrity worship would be on fleek. These celebrities will be praising her her ass and everything just for marrying Prince Harry. If her ass would have still been on suits, you wouldn't have known who her ass was. <laughs> you only know her because she married Harry. So she ran back over here so she can get that worship. But I ain't doing her like that. There's still some people over here that's going, nope, we ain't falling for it. Because in America, they feel like you out of your place too. Even her own family, her own, you see how her white family acting? This is my opinion, okay? Sidebar, I think her white family even thinks she's she she out of her mind. She, she, she's out of her place. They just made it, they've been making it hard because she married into a royal bloodline. I ain't got time to be talking about Meghan Markle tonight. All I say is really how I feel about Meghan Markle. Fuck Meghan Markle. I really don't care much about her. But I do talk about her because I feel like she's a black woman who is in denial and that she ran away from blackness, and now she's trying to act as if she did not run away. And, oh, now I understand what it's like to be Negro. I'm Negro. <laughs> These London people have told me I'm Negro. My own family, I'm Negro now. I'm Negro. <laughs> now I understand what it's like to be Negro. Now I care about your experience. As long as you worshiping me and Harry, I guess. I'm glad that South African uh, prince checked her ass, too. Shout out, I mean, I mean that South African, uh, Nelson Mandela's grandson, I'm sorry, checked her ass and corrected her ass. She needed some correcting, okay? Very in her wedding. Really. <sighs> we worship the wrong things, y'all. Seriously, okay? Um, who else are we going to talk about tonight? Uh, we got to take a break. Are we going to talk about Beyonce when I come back? Is Renaissance still doing well out here? <laughs> How's Renaissance? You won't break my soul. You won't break my Are y'all still playing that? I think I heard it the other day. Are y'all still playing that right now? <laughs> oh, beehive. Was that the 74% drop in sales? Oh, my God. Third week sales have been abysmal. Well, not, you know, who buys records anymore? But you, when you get Michael Jackson hype, you would, you know, you'd think it'd be a consistency, right? Oh, it's her birthday. Why would you bring up something bad on her birthday? <sighs> we get back, we'll talk about Beyonce, album sales. Oh, what else we'll talk about? Uh, oh, Serena Williams retiring and why I think. Serena had a huge wake-up call the other night playing that chick, okay? And in a way, here's what I'm going to say. I don't think she should quit. Is she going to do what it takes, okay? Because, it, listen, 
Serena was, Serena, what's Serena, 40 years old? That girl was like 28, 29 years old. Serena was, listen, for tennis, this is not a diss, but for tennis, Serena's ass is out of shape, okay? For tennis, she is. I mean, she, she, she because, at, and let me explain something. She's out of shape right now for tennis, and she's she's older, but she was hanging with that chick. She almost be look at how she been playing, and she ain't even fucking trying, in my opinion. She ain't doing what, what I mean by that doesn't mean she isn't getting any training or anything, but she's not doing what it takes that where she could still be on top. Like she she hasn't adjusted her game. And so I said this about Serena when on Naomi Osaka kicked her ass a couple of years ago. I had a show on here where I talked about she had no more passion, she should quit. But I saw the I, I saw Serena play better than I've seen her in a few years play the other night. And part of that, I think she was recognizing, like, damn, maybe what if I slender? Damn, what if I, you know, uh, I really put, you know, adjusted my, that's why she was at the end of the night, she was going, and they was like, are you going to, you know, this is it? She's like, well, you ne- I don't think so. Well, you never know, because she was feeling it. We'll talk about that when we get back, okay, on the CC show. And we're going to talk about Tyrese. We're going to talk about the Tiffany Haddish scandal. Child, man. Ooh. Dang, man. It looks like it might be over. She's, this is rough. This is rough. Them video. You know what makes me mad about that video with Tiffany Haddish and them? Because that shit been out. And it says something to Hollywood, in my personal opinion. That's why it's like the video, I don't like what they did. And we'll talk about Tiffany Haddish being sued for sexual. We'll just wait. We'll talk about it when we get back. But meanwhile, let's, you know, let's, let's before we get into all these other hot topics of the night, let's take a listen to one of my, that you know, probably my one of my favorite, you know, it's, Probably my top favorite song of all time in R&B, okay? Y'all know what it is. I always say it. And it's so funny because I feel like it's a club of us out there. I've met a few people who say, that's your favorite song, that's my favorite song. And it's always this song, Don't Disturb This Groove by the System. Oh, my God. you That is the way to my heart. Like, don't disturb this. Oh, I love that song. It's the CC Show. I'll be back in a moment, y'all. <laughs> Everywhere 
right, that's one of my favorites from Groove Theory. Yes, I like that one. Tell me. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta, and I am back late night. Okay, y'all missed my rant about British actors and all this stuff. Y'all have to catch that later on. <laughs> but you know what? Listen, I know people listen to the show. And let me just say this, okay? I say a lot of things on the show sometimes that are controversial. I don't think the same as other people, you know. And, hey, I'm up. Sometimes I'm, I, you know, I you know, I'm I'm always open to changing my mind on things and stuff like that. But, you know, uh you know, I say some tough things sometimes that's hard for people to swallow. You know, I I think I'm nice. <laughs> but, you know, some people don't like it. It is what it is. I get it. I'm okay with it. I hope you guys are okay with it. It is it's how we roll on this. I roll on this show, okay? Oh, whoa. Okay, so Speaking of not-so-nice things, oh, happy birthday, Beyonce, but I do have to talk about Renaissance, okay? Uh, which, one should, which news should we do, good news first or bad news? <laughs> I think we should round it out with good news. Because when we round it out with, I mean, we ended with good news. We'll start with the bad. We will round it out with some good news that will hopefully – you know, in things presently. But Beyonce, uh, let's see, wait a minute, do I have it up? Do I have that one up? Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, no, that's from the second week. We got to have this this week, third week. Uh, let's see. Do I have it? I'm taking my time. I thought I had it up, but I didn't have it up. See, the beehive is already out here, you know, talking. <laughs> uh, pushing me bad. Okay, okay. let me see. Uh, okay, this is from showbiz411.com. Uh, uh, it says, Beyonce's above-it-all attitude leads to disastrous sale sales for renaissance down 74 percent in third week okay it says if you were hoping for an adele versus beyonce face off at the grammys next winter don't count on it yes it will listen hold on let me just stop you know beyonce hasn't had blockbuster sellers the last four like just the last three or four albums they haven't been really that big of blockbuster one thing about the grammys i don't know who got the fix in maybe it's because somebody's dead and still on the <clears throat> I don't know how the fix is in, but listen, uh, uh, Beyonce will get nominated for a lot of Grammy Awards for Renaissance. Now, will they shut her out? I don't know. I don't know if they're bold enough to do something like that. I would. <laughs> listen, I've always told you guys, this is, I, I, I say it, I say this with all sincerity, and it does not, I say this because I do like Beyonce. Really? No, y'all think it's because I don't like Beyonce. No, I say this because I do. Beyonce is Michael Jackson without the thriller. And here's the sad thing about Beyonce. She keeps really trying hard. She's like the little train that could. You know, but she does, you know, she has all the hype machine behind her. But she keeps trying to make a thriller only to just dismally fail. Because she's trying too hard. I'm going to be, I'm going to be Charday. That's the problem because she's trying to be Charday and not Beyonce. I want to be Donna Summer. 
I love you, Solange. I, I just want you guys to like me and be sane. I'm like, I want to be deeper. Please <laughs> stop it. Okay, Beyonce, it's Virgo season. I need to be kind. Beyonce's album, Renaissance, has been a sales disaster. As of Friday, the album has sold just 475,000 copies. I bet in my, how many of those probably were promotions? <laughs> what is it, 35,000 copies? Now they're going to go out and buy 500,000. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't. I can't. Okay, it says, according to uh, Luminate and his, uh, Hits Daily Double, this pass, this pass is its third in release. Sales were down a whoop. A whopping 74%. 74%. Renaissance has scored just one hit single with Break My Soul. That single now sits at number 15 on iTunes. A remix with Madonna has pooped out at number 15. I'm laughing. It only went to, it's only number 55. All that publicity. Quit playing, Beyonce. You better hurry up and put out this visual. <laughs> it's not even dogging her, her above it all. No, I don't think, you know what? I actually, I'm going to say my thoughts on Beyonce in a minute, but here's the thing. Okay, it says Beyonce has, uh, Beyonce will try a new single this week, but the ship may have sailed on this project. What's the problem? Beyonce has a voice that should be soaring over radio stations all day long, but her choice of material is terrible. It's all mismatched retreads of old songs interpolated into tuneless concoctions. The other problem is that she's doing no marketing or appearances. Beyonce's project uh, projects an above-it-all attitude when it comes to publicity. She hasn't done the important TV work for selling albums. There are no interviews. She's apathetic, and so is her public. Uh <laughs> Oh, I want to be candid. I I don't want to. I want you guys to not like. I want to not do interviews. I don't like them. <laughs> I I want to be deep. No, I told you that you should have come out. You should have been. You know what, Beyonce? Here's the problem. You're not Janet Jackson. The day of Janet and Michael and Prince and all of those great artists. You're a great artist for your time. You've been overhyped way too much, and that's part of the problem. They've overhyped you, and your your music has not been able to do. And, and, and what I always said, she should have promoted Savage. That's really a Beyonce joint. Like I love that with Megan Stallion, Queen B, one of the with me. That's that's Beyonce all day long. I, I was like, yes. She's she's not having any fun. She's you're a good time girl. You're burlesque dancer. You're sexy. I mean, listen, Tina. Listen, Tina Turner worked these these stages forever. She was sexy. You have Beyonce. You have to realize that you're not Solange. And there's no comparison. I'm not trying to compare this. I'm just saying that you're not the. I mean, I know you want to be the. And you want to, and you know, here's the thing. I think you were even bored with this album. 
I think part of the reason Beyonce, there's a couple of reasons I have, I think that Beyonce may not be out there. One is either she's delusional and she thinks she's Michael Jackson or somebody and she doesn't have to do press, but she knows she's a visual album. Her last few uh, uh, things had to drop. She had to drop visuals. She's now seen Beyonce, you should know from Black is King and all the other stuff, you have to be out here promoting. If you're not out here promoting your beautiful face and talking and stuff like that, if this doesn't work, sweetie, you're not that big of an artist that you can sit your ass back at home. They they put too much money into you on publicity. They have to pump you up. Uh, so you should be out here, you know, uh, pumping yourself up. But here's another thing. I actually think she, you know, it's almost as if she didn't almost like this album. It's almost as like she's bored with the album. There's a part of me that thinks that. But she's like, you know, I don't give a shit. I really don't care. I just want to stay my ass home right now. I really don't want to talk about it. I don't really care about this song. It's album. The album is all over the place. So there is, like I said, there's a few songs on there I like. But it is, you know, I really feel like maybe she understands now what his, the price for being overhyped. Really, I think she's coming to that realization. Now, she's going to come out here and sell because she has to. Because Yes, because now that the album sales are going down. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about this. Uh, where, what is it they're going to have her do next? Uh, we got here happening. Since the album sales went down 74%, uh, there should be, okay, let's see. Beyonce stages a renaissance with Tiffany and Company. Okay. Now, Tiffany and Company says that one of their most successful runs was Beyonce and Jay-Z, the love, whatever that thing was. Now, I, you know what? Tiffany and Company, I tried to look for your numbers after those sales to relate, that to show me that Beyonce and Jay-Z helped yourself. I don't know if that's true. I like to, you didn't say that. You said it was a successful campaign, meaning successful campaigns was a, it was a lot of publicity behind it. But I actually don't think I don't. I wonder if it transferred in numbers for them <laughs> because you know I mean Beyonce's fan base does not walk into Tiffany's for $5,000 bracelets and $10,000 bracelets. Yes, she has fan base, some people in her fan base that are wealthy, but wealthy people like that are not driven by sometimes Beyonce, but for her fan base, you know, you might have to go something like a little cheaper, like a, uh-oh, I'm about to give away an idea for free. I bet Beyonce, Beyonce, you should use, you and Tiffany should use this idea, like a cute little beehive uh, 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 collection. Charm, the beehive charm or whatever, you know, for two, three or four hundred dollars or up to a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred, you know, price points from maybe three to fifteen hundred, something that her that her fan base probably is more affordable. It can happen. And then you can go up to the higher price range or something. But when you're dealing with that, that would have been that would have been neat for her. Like if they had a like a beehive charm collection or a necklace or or something from her personally, uh, you know, uh, something, 
this, this this campaign they're doing with just her on it, and Jay Z is just like, okay, yeah, it's the end with the, you know, the remember the controversy with the diamond and all that stuff. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's I don't know. But it says, here's it says, Beyonce stages of renaissance with Tiffany and company from the griot.com. They're saying D is back not only with a new album, but a new campaign for legacy jewelers, Tiffany and company. Uh, Women's Wear Daily reports Beyonce is once again starting, starting, starting in a global campaign for the brand. You've already seen a couple of those things, uh, commercials, a follow-up to her about love campaign with husband Jay-Z. Uh, this time around, the Renaissance Woman is a solo act photographed by a longtime Carter family favorite, Mason Poole, also the lensman behind the About Love, premiering on Tiffany's social platforms on September 2nd. Um, the new campaign titled Lose Yourself in Love echoes the provocative Studio 54 <laughs> inspired imagery for B's latest release, Renaissance, also shot by Poole. Uh, WWG reports that Tiffany also commissioned, listen, 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 a short film by acclaimed director Mark Romanek, which will debut across its platforms in October, as the campaign also reaches magazines, set to Beyonce's single, <laughs> Summer Re- Renaissance. So she's trying to release a, a little bit of, of, of uh, uh, visual. It will reportedly capture the carefree, joyous spirit of the album as a whole. <laughs> Tiffany, they didn't commit. Wait a minute. Tiffany, I don't believe the campaign did as well as she said. And I believe you, you're you now being commissioned because you already have her there. And you've already paid her and Jay-Z buttloads of probably money. And now you're like, okay, you're being commissioned to help sell that out. <laughs> it gets worse. I hope it works out. Who are the people who are doing these marketing campaigns? Oh, my God. Like, I hear, you know, I heard Adidas is going bust, too, but I like this. Listen, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, in addition to appearing in tandem with Beyonce's latest dance release, the Lose Yourself in Love campaign takes a further departure from the romance, breakfast activities inspired visuals in 2021, which featured the same, uh, the same and controversial 128.54 carat Tiffany diamond. Dressed in an array of edgy costume looks from designers Laquan Smith, Ram Cruz, and others, B is backed by an extra dance track that she models really uh, somewhat more shoppable lines. <laughs> as well as select pieces that Tiffany Legends D Schlumber and Elise Peretti design reports. We're taking the opportunity to have an icon. Where are icons? Okay, listen, this is the problem. Showbiz 411 said in her above it all attitude, Beyonce actually thinks Beyonce should be selling. No, she should have, there should be a jewelry line at Tiffany, affordable to her fan base. Beyonce coming in here wearing diamonds that uh, Catherine Hep, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Let's just throw out a name. Catherine Hep, Brian Ward, Elizabeth Taylor Ward. It's just bullshit, okay? It doesn't, it doesn't translate into anything, Tiffany. Yes, I said it. It doesn't translate into anything. Her fan base cannot fucking afford to come in here and buy that. Most of the ones, these little crazy beehivers. <laughs> Oh, 
However, if you made a more affordable line that is a Beyonce line, a beehive, something be like a twum, something sweet or cute, and then, you know, you had her modeling certain wares or some art, maybe uh, a Beyonce Legends uh, uh, jewelry uh a jewelry campaign or something where, you know, she she has pieces in her jewelry collection from her favorite people. Like there's it's being recreated by Tiffany at a more affordable fee price for her because Beyonce wants to sell to at a price point. She loves to sell to like that price point of five thousand and stuff like that. She's delusional. She can't do that, okay? Because her fan base is not what you think. People love to come see Beyonce in concert. She's a great, she's, she's, one, she's a good performer, a great burlesque dancer, one of the best ones I've ever seen. However, Beyonce, the, she doesn't drive in. She, there's probably some, but for the most part, she has no influence on super probably wealthy consumers and what they buy. <laughs> so why are you trying to sell her off as that? So fucking funny. Oh, remember years ago when Tiffany's had that little seat, the silver? I still have my stuff. The silver collection, like the little silver necklaces and the silver, they were affordable. People were running in Tiffany's buying that stuff. It was very affordable. This is point was price point was $200, dollars or something like that. Remember when Tiffany was doing that? They kind of had a revitalization. Yeah, you guys should have worked within the context of something like that in dealing with Beyonce. Beyonce loves to think, Beyonce, you don't sell to that price, big price point consumer like that. You just haven't been marketed that way. In my personal opinion, they're trying to market you that way, and it's the, bad, it's the wrong way to market you. This is Tiffany. Tiffany, it's a waste of money. You've you wasted you wasted. <laughs> You try, somebody convinced you to do a high-end campaign with Beyonce. <laughs> is Beyonce still working under the same check as uh, as the Jay-Z and Beyonce thing? Is she getting a separate check for this other one? I bet not. No, 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 no. They said it was successful. Why don't I believe this? Because I, I don't believe that Beyonce is selling high-end jewelry for Tiffany. I just don't. I don't. I think you're delusional. I think you wasted money, and I think you bought into the hype. I just asked him out the river. <laughs> he bought into the hype. No fight. Beyonce is an illusion. Happy birthday, Beyonce, but you're an illusion. And that's what I hate for her, that because she's so talented, she's so gifted, but they had to prop up an illusion because they didn't, I believe people didn't believe in her. And so they propped up, this, and I don't, I don't blame her. I know people think I'm being mean to her. No, I'm blaming the illusion that's been built. And for her, it, it, you know, it's hard because it keep, we keep seeing that it is, she, she never lives up to the illusion in terms of sales, record sales and stuff like that. That's what happens when we're propped up. There needs to be some realistic ideas going on here. See, Disney got caught up. You should, you know what, Tiffany? You should have called Disney on the phone so Disney can take a coach. <laughs> Let me stop. I won't be invited to the Rock Nation breakfast, huh? Damn. I wanted to go.
a Rock Nation party for me. <laughs> Aww. I'm her friend. I feel like I'm a friend. I'm the friend that you need to have that tells you the truth. The friend that says, hey, Beyonce, why are you doing this high-end thing? You need to come up with, you and Tiffany need to come up with a plan to sell some affordable pieces. Because your family, <laughs> your family so affordable. They ain't going to buy no $10,000 stuff. Some of them will, but not a lot. No, we're delusional about what Beyonce is, okay? We are beautiful, gorgeous girl, but her her marketing has not, the way she has been put out here. It just doesn't match. And that's what the album sales are selling, showing. She's trying to sit back. I think maybe Beyonce's having a come to Jesus moment about who she is as an artist. No, maybe that's why she's not really doing it. Because, you know, she's a Virgo. So she's in a Scorpio moon. So I feel like she's a deep thinker. So maybe she's having one of those healing moments. Like she's like, yeah, maybe I'm a lot, I'm pretty hyped. My album sales, you know, if I was what, the, what they say I was, I'd be having, now we understand it's a racial world out here, okay? But then, you know, if the, if I was who I that they who they claim they hype me to be, I could sell albums like crazy. I could be selling like a deal. Taylor Swift. I'm not even dealing with Taylor Swift. What the fuck is going on? So there may be this may be the reason there may not be a lot of promotion is because she may be having that moment of really like recognizing what. She's built as an artist, which is a hype bubble. Hey, that doesn't mean she's not a great performer. That doesn't mean she's not a great artist of Beyonce songs. I'm a Beyonce. I keep trying to tell you that. But what it is, I, I keep telling it's a hyper bubble, you know. And at some point, you have to sit down and you have to say, well, shit, who's making money out of this hyper bowl? And where is it taking me? 74% is a drop. Now, I do know nobody's buying albums out here, but the hype y'all give her, she should be selling like Taylor Swift and Adele. It is what it is. Have I done tonight? Am I ready to check? For, for in honor of Beyonce's birthday, I will check into the Ramada Inn now, symbolically. Hand me my key. <laughs> and, and, you know, I shouldn't have hated on her on her birthday. No, I, I, I think she's under, she may be coming to recognize this. Maybe. I'm hoping so, because here's what I would love to see from Beyonce. Realness. Get back out here. Start talking. Quit. Act like a fucking normal person. You're not Michael Jackson. You don't have the Michael Jackson sales. You don't even have the fucking Michael Jackson experience. Get your motherfucking ass out here. Promote this album. Have fun. Give me it up. Talk with these reporters. Have act like norm a normal person. Quit letting them put you in that bubble, that Michael Jackson bubble. When you came, you really are hyped up, Beyonce. It really is a lot of shit behind you. 
and really just get out here and live life and have fun, girl, and quit trying to be weird. The fuck? You not above it all because them album sales ain't above it all. <laughs> well, stop the bullshit. This is great advice. I'm the friend that won't kiss your ass. I'm the friend that's telling you the truth. I'm the friend that doesn't want you out here dancing when you 80 times. You don't break my soul trying to tell them. <laughs> Even though I still want you to be doing concert, I think you still be a great performer. Like, you know. But, you know, I don't want you out here because you got to because you got to pay back that money for that hype. Wish you the best, Beyonce. Happy birthday. What's your next thing you straight? Usher on why he won't do a versus battle. I'm cut from a different cloth. No, Usher, you're not. Let's go. According to Yahoo.com, Usher is revealing why he thinks a versus battle wouldn't be worth it. During an appearance on People Every Day podcasts, such as Las Vegas Residency, uh, Usher, uh, uh, my boo singer, opened up about living in Sin City, how he indulges and revealed why he doesn't want to do a versus battle. I think if you ever came to my show, you would understand that I don't think a versus could, versus could handle all of the songs that I have, to be honest. Usher 43 told host uh, Janine Rubenstein, it's like I could do it by myself, but I don't want to do that. That's not the purpose of versus me versus me. He continued, but I think it's great. It's great. It's great to celebrate music, but the appreciation of it starts with understanding what it is and how long it's taken to do this legacy. If you choose to compare it, what are you comparing it to? Are you comparing it to yourself? The verses created by Timberland and Swiss Beat during the pandemic has a virtual DJ battle. It consists of up to 20 rounds of what would be a musician's hit song going head-to-head against other musicians' tunes. But for Usher, when it comes to his music, there is no comparison. I'm a different animal, man. I'm cut from a, from a way different cough, man. And when you put these songs on, I'm telling you, I don't think anybody in the world will want smoke with their songs. Yeah, I do. Listen, Usher, and this is not to diss Usher. I like Usher. I think Usher's talented. I think Usher's had three, was it two to three great albums? No, 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 no. I'm not being mean. Seriously. Then he went into techno shit and stuff, and there was stuff coming up every week, like every now and then on the albums. <clears throat> Usher's been in the business for a long time. Uh, but Usher, you're really. <sighs> It's what I say, and this isn't any to be any gift. A lot of this is why I call Steph Curry one of the greatest, uh, greatest, uh, great, greatest, greatest. That I, I say that Steph Curry is with up there with Michael Jordan because he's fundamentally changed the NBA. And to me, it's it, to me like when I look at LeBron James. LeBron James is a, a great basketball player out there right now, but LeBron James hasn't fundamentally changed the game. I mean, him and Kobe, which I love Kobe, too. But Kobe, I thought, was better than LeBron. But Kobe was essentially Michael Jordan 2.0. Right? Um, to me, when you take a different way about yourself, when you do something that shifts the culture, that makes you of a different cloth. 
And I'm not saying Usher isn't great. I think Usher's great. I think Usher in the in the family of Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson's Usher and Usher and people like Chris Brown have taken uh, uh, they um, how can we say it? They've taken things uh, great uh, energy from the Michael Jackson uh, thing and. They they've done Michael Jackson's legacy proud, but it's still under the realm of Michael Jackson. To me, they're not much different. They're a part of the influence of Michael. MJ Michael though came and busted the mold. You had never seen anything. It, I mean, from the time he was a child on up, Michael was just different. You guys are not. I mean, you're great, but you're not different. The reason D'Angelo did uh, a versus, he was able after Maxwell, after Maxwell, uh, 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 you know, I think Maxwell turned, what happened? Something happened with Maxwell. <laughs> I don't know. What happened with Maxwell versus? I don't know. But D'Angelo ended up doing the verses by himself. Totally understand why D'Angelo would end up doing the verses by himself. Art Kelly, when he was uh, out of jail, it's still, you know, it's society, you know, there wasn't so much craziness, you know, going on. Art Kelly could do a versus by himself. Fundamentally change R and B. Fundamentally I mean, you're talking about a guy who can write across the spectrum. I mean, you know, produce across the spectrum. You know, you might hate Art Kelly, but Art Kelly is talented as fuck. I mean, he might be a talented pervert, but there's been a lot of talented perverts throughout rock and roll, R&B. It is what it is, okay? But, it, you know, doesn't keep being a pervert, but it's still, you know, it is what it is. R. Kelly is one of the most talented motherfuckers you will ever see, and he changed the trajectory of music. He's not only a great artist, but he's a great writer-producer. That's a different problem. No offense, I'm not saying that you're not, you know, you're not talented. I'm just saying you come in the realm of Michael Jackson, and that's not much. You have a little difference in your own Usher style, but it's still kind of mimicky of Michael Jackson. Maxwell, who I think is one of the kings of R&B. The reason why I say this, okay, about Maxwell, Maxwell and D'Angelo, guys like them, they, they reinvented R&B. They bought it. They resuscitated it. They bought it back, and they bought it back in such a unique way by not acting like the traditional R&B artists. They were something different. You had never seen anything like D'Angelo or Maxwell, specifically, especially I'm going to go with Maxwell, because Maxwell really is an artist that could have went the route. I really keep saying he could have been a pop artist, really, because he has the looks and everything. You know what I'm saying? And and the girls would go crazy. But Maxwell has really paid attention to his music, his musicianship, you know. Um, now, you know, I've heard some other shit over there. <laughs> but, I, but for the most part, most people look at Maxwell when they see that seven-year hiatus. I know I tease on here and everything about when are we going to see night and all this stuff. But really, he's one of those dudes that takes great care, it seems like in his music, so it's not surprising. And he really isn't moved by trends, which is, that makes, to me, that makes you a great artist. That makes you cut from a different style. I see D'Angelo, Maxwell, Erica Badu, 
Jill, I see those type of people who are cut that's something different. If you're coming in the realm of Michael Jackson, I think you're great, but I don't consider you a king of R&B. You're a king in R&B because you have a bunch of hits that other people probably have helped write for you, Jermaine Cree and other people like that. But when, and that doesn't mean, you know, Maxwell has writers and, and, and I think D'Angelo has some help, but they're essentially writers and musicians. And I just feel like that's a different call. They can do a versus by themselves. They don't take a thousand, they really are the, the people that don't need a bunch of hype when they come out. They actually don't get a bunch of hype. You know what I'm saying? So when they come through, they can get the minimal. I mean, you know, with Maxwell, I think they did really do a great job with Pretty Wings, that, that one, okay, in the last two. But it, with Maxwell, it's still not a bunch of hype like you get with Beyonce and them. Yet, here's an artist that can go around and, you know, and you can, you can sell a stadium. Only reason I think Maxwell may be having problems and maybe just some sales and stuff right now is timing. And he's also been out here a long time and he doesn't have any new music. <laughs> okay. So, you know, but he can still do that. I mean, he's been on tour and he can still, you know, get a stadium for. So that's pretty impressive when you don't have the hype, pop, pop music hype. D'Angelo, the same thing. So I consider, that's what I consider R&B kings and R&B greats, Sam Cooks and stuff like that. I, you know, I, I, I can't call Usher cut from a different cloud. Usher is the exact kind of artist I think that should do a versus. And he should be against somebody like a Chris Brown because they're kind of similar. Now, I, here's what I think you will find out, though. Usher has a more serious catalog than Chris Brown. Okay. Because Chris Brown, a lot of you young girls just like Chris Brown. The music is subpar. Like I said about Beyonce, it's okay. Um, it's a lot of his performance and everything. Okay. But I think you would see Usher has a great catalog. And Usher is a great R&B artist. Please don't get me wrong. Great R&B artist. I just don't consider him up there. Maybe a prince of R&B, but I don't consider him a king. Kings have to do something to change the trajectory of the music, of R&B. And I think when I look at people like Art Kelly, Marvin Gaye, D'Angelo, Maxwell, those guys are in that. Those, that's the king. Sam Cooks and things like Those are the kings of R&B because they came along and changed the atmosphere. And they're not moved by trends. And they're not moved. Even though R. Kelly was a whole vibe and a whole trend, but R. Kelly can write anything. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Well, on that interview, I said, oh, don't be shady. Don't be shady. You said R. Kelly could just pee out a song on, on what's that, Breakfast Club. Yeah, I mean, he's, R. Kelly's a great artist. I mean, no matter how fucked up he is, he's a great artist uh, as far as music is concerned. So, yeah, Usher, I think Usher needs to get out here and do some. Uh, you know, I, I think that's part of the reason He's in the residency in Vegas does so well. Uh, Usher's a great performer. It was, a, it was good to put Usher on the stage in Vegas. Um, that's where he belongs right now. And I think a versus would be great for Usher, to be honest. I don't think he's above a versus. 
Don't let that Vegas residency hype your ass up, okay? I'll be above. I mean, you know, he's had a lot of pop push, but I just don't believe he's above uh, a versus. I think actually there's what he did from him, okay? Um, what else are we going to talk about tonight? Uh, so I saw Biden from Beyonce. Uh, what was I? I had something else I was going to talk to you guys about. It's a what? Um, talk about Usher. Tyrese. Tyrese pays ex-wife 10000 k per month in child support. Okay, this is according to Page6.com. It says Tyree Gibson will now have to pay $10,690 per month in child support to a strange wife, Samantha Lee. A judge made the order for the best interest of the ex's three-year-old daughter, Soraya Lee, at a courtroom in Georgia on Tuesday. The Fast and Furious franchise store, 43, also had to maintain a life insurance plan of $1.9 million where Soray has a beneficiary and Lee has a trustee. Girl, you bet. This is what I'm talking about. I see, Samantha, I see you over there doing your business. I was hurt. I see you, Samantha. That's a Scorpio for your ass. Look at that. Look at that. She's Scorpio. Look at that. She said, you, Nico, you, you going to put an insurance policy in your show on your ass, too, because, you know, we see the mental shenanigans. So I, I see you, Samantha. I see you over there maintaining that and hear her as a beneficiary. I like it. Scorpio shit, eighth house. We rule the eighth house. Okay, I love it. That's when we in our bag. You smart. You be listen, listen, listen. Eighth house. Okay, I love it. She's moving in the right way. Okay, the Fast and Furious franchise star forty three. Uh, okay, says the former couple has been ordered to split fifty fifty in child care or school and maintain health insurance. Upon hearing the news, Gibson looked less than thrilled. The judge addressed him directly about how this, this decision is leveling the economic playing field. I want you both to love your kid. I want you to, you both to tell your kid to love the other parent because that's how we get successful human beings. Nobody won here. Nobody lost. You know, she won with $10,000 a month in that insurance policy. <laughs> uh, minimize it in every way, shape, and form you can. Well, here's the deal. He said the judge emphasized the child support was not a punishment for Gibson. I think he's already paying 10000 for his other child. You're going to see the dividends it pays in your child. Put that money where it belongs in the child. Uh, he added, FaceTime with your kids. There's no amount of money to substitute that because you can't buy time once it's gone. And listen, men, here's the thing. I know a lot of people look at those big pays. He actually got away with He's been doing Fast and Furious. He getting Fast and Furious checks. So if he's getting paid right. You know, ten thousand dollars a month is not a lot of child support when you are when you have been in in a relationship with a celebrity because with celebrity <clears throat> becomes other things. You know what I'm saying? It's just a lot more when you're dealing with a celebrity when you have a child with a celebrity, okay? There is certain things you gotta pay for, maybe private schools or maybe better schools. Uh you the kid has to live up somewhat to Fathering lifestyle, living in a nice house. And listen, not just men and women, but you want the other parent to do well, especially to me if it's a woman. Fellas, listen, that's why I say be careful. He was married to her, but fellas, be careful who you, if you got money and stuff, protect yourself. Be careful who you marry with. 
marry and have children with children with because this person has to raise your child. And the one thing you don't want, and I've seen situations like this. I've seen a situation where it was an ugly divorce. Uh, well, people I knew had an ugly divorce, and one of the parents was homeless, and the children were always worried. And that's not a way to raise kids because they were fighting over all kind of stupid stuff. The thing is, make sure the other, if you got the money, make sure the other parent is maintained. Like Peter saying, she she don't be spending that money on herself. She, she, she listen. She especially if she has a kid, the majority of time spending no money on house. She's spending money on rent. Rent is part of that's a rent is part of childcare. I mean, rent, lights being on, gas being on, her health, yes. Ten thousand dollars a month really ain't shit for Tyrese, okay? Of what Tyrese can get out here and do some more movies. But the truth of the matter is he was married to this young woman and he's married to the woman before and it's just a fair thing. And you do want the other parent to be taken care of because especially if they're taking care of your child the majority of the time. You don't want to come over there and some people saying, make sure all that money go towards the kid. No, sometimes money has to go towards food in the house, all kind of things, and from what the other parent. Because if the other parent who's doing the heavy lifting, you want them to look decent. I'm not saying they got to do surgery and all that. I'm just saying looking nice or keeping themselves up, maintaining themselves and stuff like that. You don't want to go over and to take care of your child and the parent fucking broke down or there's something wrong with the parent. They ain't a good parent or something. But just because you don't want to spend no money on somebody, that's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. And a lot of people don't know the damage they do. Because you, you got to hung up on child support and spousal support and stuff like that. But really, you want to make sure that if a, especially a parent who's the majority, who spends the majority of time, that they do it too. Now, for people who have a baby with people that you know ain't shit, that's your problem. You got to pay an ain't shit person. You didn't protect your, you didn't protect, uh, uh, you don't see yourself as an investment. When you're a celebrity male, you need to be picky. You need to be very careful about the women you choose to nut in. Excuse me. Okay? Be careful out in these streets. Okay? Because it can cost you a lot of money. You're uh, 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 you're somewhat of a, uh, let me just say this, you're somewhat of a prize too as a male, especially if you're a high-value male, you're making a lot of money and stuff like that. I'm not saying be mean or suck up and all that. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying but have an understanding of your value and don't just give your life flow to anyone, your creation energy to just anyone. Now, that wasn't the case here with Samantha and Tyrese. They was married. But, you know, I'm just saying this for men because I mean a lot of people be getting upset about these child support checks. Don't get upset about the child support check if you didn't have enough value for yourself. That you didn't care about what you who you created with. Okay, so to create with you to be 
somewhat a little bit of a privilege if you uh, you don't want to create with anybody because you know you have a certain lifestyle and you have to protect yourself. So you know, be careful giving your like you know like Nick Cannon. Listen, and I was getting ready to talk about Nick. I don't know if I got time tonight. Nick Cannon, he's on baby number ten. And all I gotta say is this, okay? You know, somebody was saying in astrology. I think it was Apollonia was talking about this is like that's kind of his astrology and stuff. But it's just a bad deal. Ten children by all these baby mamas. I think it's reckless, but you know, it was his life. But be careful of stuff like that because if ever you can't make the money, or if ever you 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 know, because uh, you're not just in you, you I could like somebody was saying this week, it's not having ten kids, it's having all the different women, and it's hard to spend to kids grow up to be adults and they grow up with their mindsets and stuff, and they need parents there that are going to guide them. And these chicks out here who keep doing this to themselves. I think it's one of the great other baby mama, that other one that she's having, she's already had two, she's going to have a third one. <laughs> right now it's cute because the checks is rolling in, okay? I wonder how it's going to be if the checks stop rolling in. Yeah, I better hope the checks don't ever stop rolling in. That's one thing. And you know, life is a funny thing. Checks can't stop rolling. Yeah, life is a funny thing. That's why you girls gotta be careful out here who you be letting who you think oh, I could get Nick Cannon text, but Nick uh, Nick fall out somewhere or, or Nick's job go somewhere and, and suddenly it's oh damn, I you know, I ain't got that now. I don't got I ain't got enough this month or whatever. Right now it's all high and high in the sky. But uh let some real shit get y'all asses. Mhm, mhm. It won't be pretty, okay? So, yeah, speaking of also, uh, since we own this subject, we got last 20 minutes. We talk about Serena. Serena Williams, okay? Serena, I actually think you could play go another two more years. I'm going to say this real quick. If you slim down, if you change your game, because you got kids out here who've been studying you for 100 years, okay? So they know that that, that game, okay? But you got to slim down, sir. I know that she said she never wanted to do that again. But in order to be able to move around, Serena would have won won that game had she been more flexible. Here's the thing. She was moving, so I haven't seen her move it like that in a while. But here's the thing. That, that wasn't even – Serena was, like I said, out of shape. Uh, no offense, was in the middle of retirement, older, out of shape for tennis. She's in shape. I mean, her, she's, her body's banging. But for tennis, you know, right now – at her age, she needs to be more slender and stuff. So, but she was playing with that kind of power, with with not even putting in the, the even the, uh, the hardcore effort. I can't imagine what she would do if she couldn't. If she adjusted her game plan a little bit, she she would she she would be a beat. She would probably won that U.S. Open. Okay, but if you know, here's the thing, and 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 and. and for all of us, and again, this is maybe a lesson we can round out the uh, night with, and it's a lesson I'm trying to learn, okay? Um, 
I guess it's what's the price she's willing to pay for something. You know, maybe she wants to retire because, you know, she's just tired of the bullshit. She's like, hey, I don't want to I, I want to get home. I can't have no baby. I want She does have a south nose. Her south nose in cancer. So that's it. She's really supposed to be more family-oriented, this life and stuff like that. Uh, so she may feel a sense of family more so. But I can see that passion rising up in her in her eyes and stuff like that about when she played that last game. And that's why she sounded so kind of unsure. And I really think she could have two more years in her. But she has to be able to train in a way that where it, it makes it worse. You can't, just play, you can't just get by on your sheer power anymore. I mean, you can almost beat them on that sheer power. But that tells me you would be even greater if you adjusted. So... You know, if she, and here's my thing with Serena. Adios, if you don't want to change yourself, shout out to your legacy. You you and Venus have changed the game. However, don't come back with no bullshit. You should have left to me two years ago when they don't need soccer kick your ass. However, if you're willing to change your your style, change, I mean, change up, do what you got to do. Sometimes we got to be willing to do what we got to do. We got to. We got to name our price. I mean, see the price and pay it. I think Serena can actually play out here a couple more years and be dominant. But she would have to do what it takes. You know what I'm saying? So just my personal opinion. But farewell to Serena uh, if she goes on and embarks on the next journey. But if you bring your ass back, don't bring your ass back sloppy and, and, and just trying to work on that old sheer old power from 20 years ago. You have to change and adjust. You're 40, you're older now, and, and, and every and you, if you can do that, you could dominate. I think you'd be kicking ass and taking names, but that's hard to do when there are so many other things bowing for your attention. You know, you got family, you got husband now, you got all kind of shit going on. I think that's a little bit with Beyonce too. Beyonce got three kids now too. And twins, everybody asking, you know, even though she got nannies and shit, it's like, what the fuck? Do I really care about winning songs? Do I really want to break my soul out here and all this shit? I got a lot of shit, other shit going on. So you have to start kind of understanding the price. What is, you have to find something else to ignite that passion, something you're going to continue to do, or are you going to, if you are you going to keep doing the half-ass? That's me. I, be, I gotta ask myself some questions too. It ain't just y'all. I be talking about myself, damn self. Now you don't keep doing it half ass. Are you gonna? <laughs> are you gonna do what the fuck you need to do? You know what I'm saying? So you know that's just a, a, a little lesson for us all. Okay. Um, let me see. It was something I wanted to end out tonight. Uh, what was I talking? About? We talking about Cam Newton, Kia Proctor, because Cam getting sued for child support too. Cam Newton. From Kia, Kia out in the street trying to get all her child support. Kia got four kids, too. Cam just don't give her that money. Cam don't give her them checks. They already talking about Kia. We're talking about how he ain't paid the electricity bill and all that stuff. Four babies. She got four babies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard out here for a pimp when you're trying to get the money for the rent. Kia ain't playing no games. I need child support. She's in court right now, too. So we'll keep up with that story about where that's going. I won't talk about it this week. Maybe I'll talk about it another time when I come back on the air. But I want to leave out with this tonight, talking about what we're talking about. You know, 
sometimes, you know, one of the things I saw, I saw, I kept talking, well, I was talking to somebody this week about Serena Williams. And I was talking about how a couple of years ago I had that show where I was talking about her passion and stuff. And, you know, you sometimes when you get money when people or when you get comfortable in life, one of my favorite quotes <laughs> is comfort is a motherfucker, okay? Because comfort can be such a dangerous thing. I mean, it can lull you into some of some shit you would never do. Okay? Comfort can lull you into weightlessness. Comfort can lull you into all kinds of things because you get so comfortable. And when I think about uh, athletes like Selena, Venus, you know, and the, or even musicians, how sometimes, you know, when they were trying to make it, there was this thirst, you know what I'm saying, to make it, just to be there and and finally you make it and then you're like trying to find a sense of creativity again. Now your creativity levels are not you, you, you seem less passionate because a lot of times oh I got y'all it's a word. I didn't think I had it. It's a word for y'all, but here's it, it's a word. A lot of times, um we we don't have passionate feelings. We're, we're, our, our passions have gone. And so we have to find other ways. Your passion may have been once to make it so you can buy your mama a house or make it so you can do this. But now you got your mama a house. Now you got all them. You're yachting, uh, you know, you're yachting out here off these coasts and you're having a good time. You're drinking wine and eating caviar and doing all kinds of shit. And, and suddenly there's a comfort level with success. But also with that, and this isn't anything, okay? This could be just not even success. It's a comfort level with certain spaces in life. And then you're trying to find, reignite passion so that you may, I need to make another record. Or I need to, um, man, I need to uh, 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 play another game. But I don't have a passion or I can't find my, uh, my thing for it. Like I used my my one thing was to make it. But now I've already done all that. How do I reignite that energy? Here's what I say, and this is what I'm trying to learn from my own self because I'm going through certain similar things myself. And the thing I will say to you is that God has gifted there's time. So, you know, there's a time in life for everything, you know, a season for everything. Like Serena retired the other day. Maybe it's her season, but I got a feeling that it may not be. But uh, if it is, it is. But, but there's a season, a time, you know, a time to love, a laugh, a time to, you know, dance, a time to mourn, a time to be born. All those things, there's a season for everything. But I think most of it, you need to recognize the seasons you're in and also recognize the call and the gift that God has placed on your life. And that call and that gift, it changes throughout the years. You may change, it may change and, and navigate different, uh, you know, you have to navigate it differently, but the call and the change doesn't change. If you have a great gift for music, or if you have a great gift to, uh, uh, to act, or if you have a great gift to uh, uh, be an entrepreneur, maybe you you created the biggest company of your dream, dreams and now are, maybe you're comfortable in, 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 in your small business uh small business has been uh, 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 successful, but you want, you don't have the passion, you're so comfortable, you don't have the passion to do more. 
I'll say this, get outside your comfort zone. Do something that is uncomfortable for you. Learn to live in uncomfortableness. And I really believe that will lead you back to your passion. I know who I'm saying that to, okay? That will lead you back. So if you have created all these things around you, all these comforts, all these things that made you not want to reach as hard and go as hard as maybe you once did, reignite that passion by getting yourself uncomfortable again. There's certain things, something to make you uncomfortable, something to make you move, something that takes you outside of the realm where you're currently at and makes you want to reach for something more. I think when I watched Serena the other night, I was like, uh-oh. I could see it in her eyes. She didn't want to leave that mess. And she was enjoying it. That's one thing. I hadn't seen that in years from her. I think she was saying to myself, I'm fine. I'm, because I'm getting ready to lose it. Whoa, and I'm watching my career. I'm watching them play reels about who who I am, what I've done. Am I really ready to go? Is it my time yet? Because I, I, they have reawoken my passion for it. And when reawakening passion for things, it just can't be about reawakening a feeling of passion. But it may mean to make movement. You may, hey, if you want to be, uh, say, for instance, if you're an athlete and you want to get, and you still say, I can play a little bit, I may can play basketball, you may have to get in shape more. You may have to do something, or, or if you are a musician, you say, hey, I want to go back into music and stuff like that. Well, you may have to take some lessons. Your voice might be a little rusty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or you may have to do some things that are uncomfortable to put you back in your passion again, to reignite that thing inside of you, okay? So I don't know what your price is, what that cost you will have to make, or what season it is in your life, but I want to encourage you to be uncomfortable again, to find something to ignite that passion that can take you to the next level of whatever it is you want to go. I hope it makes sense. I don't know if it did or not, but I hope it did. (laughs) Okay? You guys, thank you for hanging out with me like you do every so often, every week or so. This is my therapy. I tell y'all all all the time. Thank you guys guys for listening. It's my therapy to go in on the world and how I see it. (laughs) All right. So thank you guys for listening and thank you for uh, hanging out. If you guys want to reach reach me, uh, remember you can reach me at, because I'm not going to come back on. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, you are listening to the Carlotta, you're listening to the Archive Show. So I'm not coming back on tonight. But here's the thing. You guys can uh, reach me at the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page. You can always also message me there, which I'll do. Uh, you can also hit me up on Carly's underscore galaxy on Instagram. And on Twitter, it's Carlotta72 and C Chatwood Show. You guys have a wonderful holiday. It's Labor Day weekend. Oh, my God. I think I had a whole bunch of more stuff I need to talk to you about. But maybe I'll do uh, a second show sometime this week if I'm not too busy. I mean, it's kind of crazy. So maybe, you know, I told you I might be sporadic, you know, uh, for this next couple of months. But you guys have the archive shows, okay? But uh, I may do a part two. I'll let you guys uh, know if I do, okay? But you guys have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. Enjoy your holiday. Be blessed. I'm out. We're going to go out with, what do we need to go out with? Um, 
I think it needs to be a happy song. <laughs> I love this one, my lucky day uh, with Earth, Wind, and Fire. Let's go out where you want my love. I'm out. See y'all. Eat good for Labor Day. Just have some barbecue out at and everything. Have a good one. Bye-bye, y'all. You can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.